Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. everybody and welcome to Midweek Motorsport. I'm John Heindorf, delighted to be with you as we get ready to settle in for another two hours. Pitch black outside, not as chilly as I was expecting today. It's Series 11, Episode 45 and we have the stars on 45 tonight on the show. Oh, get you. Thank you. Uh, Nick Damon, our Formula 1 correspondent, is alongside me. Hello, Nick. Hello, John. Hello, Tim. Hello, Everybody out there in Disneyland. In uh, in London, up in London, is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. We've got uh, Pointless Press Release of the Week. Magnificent. Uh, we've got news. We've got uh, Graham Goodwin joining us. Got to say, before we get too much further into the show, a very happy birthday to Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt who uh, is celebrating today, so he won't be with us tonight. But we will have some news from America. Okay, if you must, yep. That's, I, I, I'm, oh, we very, must. I'm very worried about doing news from America without our American correspondent. But, okay, seems reasonable. We'll try. a big story from America. A big so, story? Yeah. Really? Okay, excellent. Lots of long words. Excellent. Right. Has no long words in it. No, it's from America. <laughs> One or two syllables, maybe. Moving on. <laughs> um, and I've just had some lovely duck. How about you? Uh, we have been round to Ben's Chippy, which confusingly is run by uh, uh, someone who's not called Ben um, at all. He's called Terry. Although Terry wasn't there tonight, it was Sarah who was fr- frying... And uh, we've had the... Could, uh, could I have that sentence in the form of a diagram so I can understand it, please? Uh, yeah, a Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Ben begat ben's Terry, begat Sarah, begat Haddock on Chips. It's a, it's a Ben's Chippy diagram, a Ben diagram. Right. Hey. Uh, yes, Haddock and Chips tonight. Very nice. And that will immediately get the Twitter going from... Uh, from Shea Adam. And whilst we're talking about food, can I say thank you to Alan and the Hooray Billet for, oh. for last night's meal. And congratulations. And congratulations to, to Alan, Alan Perry. Who's got engaged. Ooh. Yes, our, 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 one of our favourite publicans in the whole world. And, and hosted the quiz earlier this year. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, he gave us a sneak preview. He did. Of the, of the band. Uh, the re- it's gone night. down well, apparently, according to the uh, feedback. She had no idea, did she? No. Excellent. Sweet. Alan, we wish you the best. Alan Perry, we wish you the absolute best. Uh, have a... Uh, Alan Perry. Alan Page, sorry. Um, have a uh, fabulous life together and we wish you all the best. Uh, that was the crooked billet over at uh, Newton Longhurst, mm-hmm. just outside of Milton Keynes. 
lovely new venue, by the way, but you must try if you haven't the Jacob's Ladder. And you need to hurry because it's going to be shut for a few weeks in the new year for refurbishment. Yes. Which, Tim, means it can't be a venue. Oh, so we need a new venue for the... Need uh, a new venue, yes. 20, I think your new 16, studio. 17 Christmas quiz. I My think, new studio uh, could probably yeah. hold two teams, but not three. Mm. So uh, if we've got enough chairs for three. We could do it in my orange tree. See, everybody needs an orange tree. <laughs> I've told you that. <laughs> is, right. Nick, is Nick saying that an orange tree is not essential in any modern habitation? Strangely, yes. I, w- I was not voting for Langis. It's not. It's just called an orange tree. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show before we get embroiled in an episode of Hang Holmes on, and Gone. No, because your response to that was, if, that, if, if everyone's emo- that means everyone will get scurvy because we haven't all got orange trees. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good, good for you. Uh, right, uh, Shea Adam has stopped tearing up her bathroom as listening in and has food Henry from Why is she Ben's. tearing up her bathroom? She's just moved it. Is it made of paper? Uh, is she going to have an orange tree? I would think is not. She have a bath? I think in Florida they grow pretty well. Indeed they do. Nikki Swan says, uh, I think a blunt inf- instrument would be used on me by the wife if I used the motorsport word again this year blimey can't resist not listening in and now I'm going to have to go and get fish and chips later this is Chris Suku who I think is in Switzerland this week if I saw that earlier on uh, can you get fish and chips in Switzerland well, yes you can, you can. Huh? there's fish and twits uh, Andrew Mather is tuned in live deposit for Lamont camping for next year paid Neil Gardner uh, in this week Graham Ingleby uh, checking in as the San Miguel is primed kids are in Ned Oh dear. Who's Ned? I don't know. But, uh, Short of the Netherlands. Oh yes, okay. Oh, yeah. They've gone well, dark. Well, well rescued. Well, hey, hey, well rescued. <laughs> uh, that's Davy T. Brace. Ready for midweek motorsport. The iron is heating up. Stack of ironing waiting to be flattened and a cold beer fresh from the fleet. I would use the iron to iron rather than the cold the beer. The cold beer, yeah. Uh, Hugo de Martelaire is ready to go. Three uh, apologies for absence, haven't we? Um, I haven't got down that far yet. Simon Hoff says, listening live tonight, hoping no one is at the top of their game uh, such that we will be uh, on air and not retired. We did think mm. we did think about giving it all up, didn't we? Yeah, but we haven't quite made the World Championship yet. No. Ever since I was a young boy. Uh, Claire Cumby. Hello, Claire. Listening in from Tallahassee in Florida. Locked and loaded, James Ryder. Uh, expecting disparaging comments on uh, from RC Racing on the Rossi to Merck rumours. Don't start it. Don't. Really. Uh, Jim Barone t- trailer says, apologies for retirement, achieving lifelong dream of listening to the Midweek Motorsport Live instead of on the podcast. Excellent. Uh, am I in the right I, place I, for more? I would set my sights a tad higher. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Miggins Motorsport says, I'm in the right place for Motorsport Fans Anonymous this week. My name is Miggins and I need help. Hello, Miggins. Uh, missing to start the show to do some more of the uh, ongoing decorations. Rob Chalmers. Uh, listening tonight while sending my CV to a certain German manufacturer in F1. Empty seat I hear. Paul Morgan uh, has uh, sent off his... As has Daryl Bowd. That's my CV sent off to Mercedes-Benz. Three part-time driving job. Weekends only, apparently. So that means I will get to listen to the show. I can't... <laughs> yes. If you don't get that one, there's a Domino's opening in the high street. I was thinking that. Just down on the moped. I'm sure you get weekends off your ass nicely. I don't think they do mopeds around here. I no? think it will be car required. What, and some form of See, pipe, now they, wouldn't that car. be funny? Wouldn't that be funny if we could get Rosberg to walk into, into there where it says drivers wanted? <laughs> that, that looks really funny. Right, shall we crack on with a bit of news? 
all the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Going to start with I- a question. Oh, all right. I was, okay. gonna, I was wondering what we were going to start with. Go uh, on. So, John, yes. question to you. Mm-hmm. Where were you Orange. No, all right. at 18 minutes past one on a Friday? Generally or every week? Uh, last week. Uh, where was I last week? Was I at home or away? You're no, I was car. at home. You were I home. was in the car. I was in the you car. In the car. Nick, where were you at 18 minutes past one? I was in a meeting room in High Wycombe. Oh. You're talking about in the afternoon, aren't you? You're talking yes, about 1318. I was in the 968 out doing some shopping. I was on the A43. Uh, I was having lunch. Really? Nice. Yes. Well, very nice. Uh, Max Chilton, mm-hmm. uh, the one person uh, out of the four or the three of us plus Max, Max Chilton is the one of us who was in a radio studio at that point, uh, <laughs> pre- preparing to be interviewed. Um, Good. And while he was waiting for the news to finish, uh, he was looking at Twitter and saw that Nico Rosberg had retired. Yes, I heard it on the World Service, funny enough. <laughs> initially, he thought it, uh, it was a joke, uh, and then he saw it being uh, tweeted uh, by several other people and realised that it wasn't. Mm. And the tone of the interview that he... Uh, Changed completely. Indeed. <laughs> so, Max, what are you doing next year? Uh, no, Mark, we have Max Gentle to talk about Nico Rosberg's retirement. Where, which radio studio was he in, though? It was a BBC one. Oh, it's sure. BBC West Midlands or somewhere. No, it's either Five Sussex. Live or something like that. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, seriously, I heard it. Uh, I was coming back from Porsche at Silverstone in the 968, and I heard it on the World Service. I've got a little dab mm-hmm. adapter, DAB adapter, that goes into the... I saw it on Twitter, and it was first saw it from a retweet by Shay. I nearly and I crashed thought, the car. And I thought... Oh, no, Shay's been taken in by a spam scam. <laughs> Silly little girl from America, not knowing what's going on. Oh, and then dear. I went, oh, yeah, well, no, she's listening, that's why I'm saying it. Um, and I went, oh, no, she hasn't been spooked by a bunny. It's really happened. And Nico Rosberg was a white bunny in a previous life, by mm. the way. Uh, very good. Uh, that is the top story then, isn't it? Uh, Max yes. Chilton changing the interview. No, Nico there, Rosberg. There is an advert in uh, tomorrow's edition of Autosport magazine, right. which reads as follows. Race driver, AMG Petronas Formula One team. A vacancy has arisen for the position of race driver with the team. As part of the travelling team, you will be responsible for the operation of an F1 car at track events including demos, tests and Grand Prix. You will be self-motivated with a strong desire for success and a commitment to teamwork. Ideally, you'll have a proven track record in skills including steering, braking and in particular (laughs) accelerating. Possession of an FIA super licence will be an advantage. The successful candidate should be a strong communicator, able to give feedback on car setup, clearly identify strengths and weaknesses in our competitors, and show extreme patience in the face of media attention. We demand the best from our people. That's why we offer a comp- competitive package, including a generous bonus, life assurance, private medical cover, a Mercedes company car lease scheme, on-site gym, and subsidised restaurant facilities. 
Who's put that in? That is fantastic. That has been put in by the team. Really? Yes. That is very funny. That is very funny. Who says that Toto Wolf doesn't have... It wasn't Toto uh, Wolf. That was the marketing department's sense of humour. It's the same people who had a very fun Twitter conversation with Max Verstappen uh, on Friday afternoon, I suspect. Bring the cakes. Mm. Yes, it was a surprise. Every now and again, things do genuinely surprise you in sport and in motor racing, and that was a genuine surprise. Uh... But you have to respect him for his decision. He, you know, I think I think it's been, he's very much explained why he wants to go. I think that's a, a fair assessment. He's, he's achieved his aims ever since he was a young boy, etc., etc., and he has doesn't have the stomach for a fight or doesn't have the mental capacity to do it again. In some ways, it would have been easier for him just to take the money for the two years of his contract and, and live it out. Yeah, much easier. But I, I actually respect him an awful lot no, for this. Genuinely, I think it's a very a very um, uh, grown-up decision to make. I think he has conducted himself very well. Uh, in the lead-up to it, he says it all happened around Suzuka time when he realised that he could win the championship and effectively it was in his own hands. And he made his mind up then that if he won, he was going to leave. Um, if he hadn't won, he would have stayed on. Um, quite a lot of people who didn't listen to that properly um, when they were asking questions There's a lot of people don't listen recently. to properly. Um, oh, but what happened? What, would, uh, wouldn't you have regretted it if you'd retired without winning a world championship? No, no. He said quite clearly, "I made up my mind. If I won, I was leaving." The B side of that clearly was, if he hadn't won the championship this year, he would have stayed on. Um, Mercedes-Benz might well be in a situation now where they wished he hadn't won because they've got a seat to fill. No, no, they made sure he did win. It's, uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a... It's not really... What, no. Well, yeah, I mean, it's left... They, they are the ultimate... The, the, the winners out of this are Mrs. Rosberg and their lovely daughter, um, Lewis I'm Hamilton... Rightly sure. Lewis Hamilton and, A, another driver... Why does Hamilton win? Because he's going be the number one driver. He's the biggest he thorn was, in his side's oh, got. Right, yeah, all right. He's okay. got the biggest thorn in his side's got. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who comes on, even it's Alonso, and then he said will not come silly. in and make the team himself. So he's a big winner out of it. And so is the person who gets the drive. And so is the person who gets the drive vacated by the other person. The only losers really are Mercedes because they have a huge headache uh, about how to find a high-quality driver who can who can secure the Constructors' Championship in the face of what may well be, might not be, may well be a much more competitive uh, 2017 with the new regulations. Mm. I think he's conducted himself admirably. Uh, Tim and I were at a well-known awards ceremony uh, at the weekend. and Was it the What Mobile Awards? It was, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, which, oddly, uh, Nico Rosberg popped into. Really? With his uh, Blackberry? And <laughs> I thought, uh, yes, see? Ah. Okay, you used to sponsor them. Yes, I know. Um, and I thought he was very gracious. He was very funny at times. Um, his telling of the story it paid l- big tribute to the team uh, particularly his individual engineer and he said you know when the engineer comes on the radio and says right for the championship it is critical that you pass Max Verstappen that's really not the, the radio call you ever want to have to have coming into your ears that no, was quite funny it is typical that to survive this you need to walk through this this entire room of cobras yes just it, don't get bitten Yes, exactly. Um, it was very, very... He was very, very good and very gracious. And I think he has been... Um, as I say, I think he's been tremendously grown up about this. There, I cannot believe, Nick, the number of people who, uh, in the aftermath of, of what we saw, made ridiculous pronouncements about what we saw 
um, at Abu Dhabi and now have gone on to criticise um, Nico for getting out at the top, including people who are involved in the industry who should know better, um, who have said, oh, you're just proving your doubt is wrong, this is the coward's way out, so now you've won, you're bailing out. I don't see it like that at all, I really don't. I'm not quite sure why people feel personally affronted one way or the other. It's one man's decision about his own life, it's nothing to do with us and a decision taken for the right reasons, which I think this certainly seems to have been. He certainly has jumped. He hasn't been pushed. He's certainly done it for, the, for reasons he sees as a, a very clear. And yeah, he's 31. He's been 25 years racing. He wants to go do something else for a bit or do less racing and do more life. How long has he been in Formula 1? Oh, 2006. So 11 seasons, yeah. Wow. I, I mean, this was a great opportunity for him to win this year. He's won. He might not get this opportunity again. I, he won't, I, I, he won't I like I like his thinking. I think I think he's he's realised he's he has snatched the chance he had, and the chances of him getting another chance that makes sense are remote. Mm. Mm. Regardless of whether or not he, it's very unlikely he had the same set of circles to beat his teammate again, and then it doesn't need to factor in other teams being faster. I again I just go back to what I said before. Fair play to him for not just banking the money and tooling around, tootling. Now. Does it sound like it to you that this is a I'm hanging up my helmet and boots and walking away from motorsport? No, not at all. No, I mean he's no because he's he's 31. He just wants to spend he wants to Tory MP thing and spend more time with his family, uh, but not because he's been caught with his secretary because he's been had enough of hanging around with Lewis. I think. Um, no, I mean I think it's, it's, he wants to do something less, which is just for every other series going. It's less than F1. I think he wants to have less scrutiny and everything else. So whether he decides to take a year off or or. Who knows? But I think that more likely he will look to do some driving quite quickly. Um, well, any driving he'd do is probably quite quickly, unless he's got the child seat in the back. Or a Formula E, that would be very quick. Um, uh, well, uh, the uh, very interesting to see the Volt Fass by Mercedes-Benz as the news was no, no. earlier in the week. What are you talking about the Mercedes-Benz have got they're going to they're going to sack Lewis for being disrespectful and uh, anarchy, and that's what they're going to do because it's you know it's, you can't do that. They're not doing that now, then. They're not sacking Lewis. Lewis, you were so unlucky. He's the moral victor. Lewis, you should have been the world champion. If it hadn't been for our unreliability, it's all our fault. It wasn't Lewis's. He's the best driver. He should have won the world champion. Oh, Nico, don't let the door hit you on the backside on the way out, son. Well, they have a huge I thought that was particularly lacking of class. Yes, but you have to do it. They have they, they have some massive sucking up to do. Because, <laughs> basically, suddenly the man who they've been trying to keep down for the last two years or three years has got all the cards. And they are completely beholden to him for their chance to justify the 800 million or whatever they spend every year to the Mercedes-Benz board, who probably were, quite, who probably were insisting the German one at some point. Uh, and now they're going to go, no, 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 it's going to have to be Lewis because we can't get anyone else and uh, we need some money. Um, this is from Chris Moran who says, Nico's doing what a lot of smart business people do, getting out at the top. P.S. I'm free most weekends and I have my own helmet. Right Turn Lover says, it would have been nice to see a relaxed and opened up Rosberg in 17, perhaps similar to Hakkinen after he won his first championship. I think we will see a relaxed and opened up Rosberg in 2017. He just won't be won't in a, be a Formula car. 1. When did Hakkinen open up of his first championship? It's exactly the same. The, uh, <laughs> it, it is the monkey off the back syndrome, though. And as we said, both Vettel and Schumacher, having uh, won their championships, the two previous German winners defended their championship. Not, I, I'm, I'm not second-guessing Nico at all. But is there, is there a part of 
you as an enthusiast, as a as an onlooker, that would have liked to have seen if it changed his driving style, no. his head or anything no. like that? No. No. I don't... I mean, well, we said nice things about Nico Rosberg. I won't miss him. Mm. And because he is a good driver, it's the same as if Sergio Perez retired to me. Or it's the same as if... Um, uh, Roman Grosjean retired. Oh, okay. So I know he's, made, well, he's world champion because he's very good, but he's been in the right place at the right time. So is there any difference between him and Jensen winning them? Because Jensen won the world championship because he was in a car that had a huge yeah, advantage Jensen, for the Jensen, first half of the season. Think about Jensen. One of the, one of the good things about and Jensen. And I'm not, by the way, having a pop with Jensen there. I'm just no, no, stating Jensen, a fact. Jensen had, um, you know, by the time he won the championship in the, in the seven years following, he was quite a good personality to be around. Rosberg to win the championship has become so uninteresting and so metronomic and also you know we, we, let's not laud him he was, he was also ruthless as you need to be and also a complete bareface liar about some of the things that happened in in within the relationship with and I, I, must admit, I was I must admit also I think I was beginning to get a little bit bored of the whole Lewis and Nico and Mercedes thing well Alex Brown agrees with you he says Nico's been impressively boring all year it was great to see a true personality emerge post Abu Dhabi and with his retirement mm. I, I think that's interesting but yeah the only way he could compete was I think to close down entirely and be completely focused. Um, yeah, which is fine. But I mean, I think you know, I don't mean you, but also I think it's it, what Mercedes need to turn around and do is is acknowledge what they've got rather than constantly try and pretend they had two of them, which they, everyone knows they didn't. One of the things that most irritates me is when people don't say the obvious thing, and, and everyone else can see it, and they think by not saying it, it suddenly makes it true. Hmm. There weren't two number. There weren't two equal drivers. There one driver was more equal than the other. One driver was better than the other. Now they have a chance now. And one driver was better than the other, but one driver was favoured. I don't think there's any much doubt that. The if if you I think Rosberg definitely had a favor. I, I don't believe he had a favorite. He was favored in fourteen or fifteen. I do believe. I do believe, and it does not relate to mechanical favors. No, no, no. I agree. I do believe he was favored this year. Well, let me put it a different way. I would say that I believe that Mercedes Benz would rather Rosberg had won than Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. Now, w- take that to mean what you will. I agree with you. I don't think this. I don't think there's the self-destruct button on the on the Pratt perch. I don't think that um, the swapping around of the crews had anything to do with it other than no, what I, Hamilton no. said. I think the swapping around the crews was absolutely designed to improve and improve Nico's chances. They felt that was a better team, so they're going to give them a better team. I think they, they decided they wanted to see what they, you know, they probably had so much confidence that they were going to win, they decided they wanted to try and uh, manufacture a result, which they managed to do with, you know, it helped that Lewis wasn't, exactly in the game for a few of the races as well but you know um, but the question really obviously now moves on to uh, who replaces him well before that does Rosberg go and drive for Porsche at Spa and Le Mans this coming year uh, it depends if Porsche have a third car Porsche will have a third car sure they, surely they would have announced it on uh, last weekend no because they're waiting for Toyota in the second or third week in January whenever the Toyota's oh, going to announce theirs well they could have an all F1 car couldn't they with somebody who can't do what they want to do, so they get to sop from a grey team. Or you could have Hulkenberg back. There's no clash. More difficult with Renault. Renault and Porsche, we've decided this. Renault and Porsche are not competing brands. Do you know, when I was thinking of buying my Renault Capture, I nearly bought a 911. Did you? I didn't buy either. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to replace Nico? Um, for me, it'll be uh, Alonso. No. Too expensive. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, this is, this when is it going to happen? Well, they they in all Christmas. honesty, 
they need to get it sorted out as soon as possible because they need to get the new guy in the simulator as much as possible just to get used to working with him. Uh, my bet would be, if I was a betting man, that it is 60-40, uh, and 60 says Bottas and 40 says Verline. I don't think they were impressed enough with Verline to give him the but job. But they might not time. have a choice. Well, yeah. Yes, of course, I'm thinking in an ideal world. Um, Bottas should, is, is a good choice. He's a good, solid number one and a half rather than actually a number two. Uh, he's quick. They'll keep Lewis honest, and he they know him from the management and Williams are beholden to them. Solid number two driver. Always has been. Philippe and Massa? Yeah, but these guys have retired. Mentally retiring does slow you down, rather. I don't think Philippe is really mentally retired. Um, he's on a farewell tour. But yeah, there, there are many possibilities. Do you know what? For one year, you could do a lot worse. Well, this is the point, actually. Are they Jamie? going like to it... want someone just for a year? Well, yes. yes, because you've got Vettel and Alonso's contracts up at the end Correct. of the year. Correct. Plus loads of other contracts up at the end of the year. If so you can't get Alonso out of his contract at McLaren, which now all of a sudden will have just become a little bit tighter. But don't forget, you've got. I think Lewis's contract runs out at the end of the year as well. So at this point, they, they, they need to have a stick to beat him with as well. To re-sign. I, th- I think Massa, as a solid pair of hands in a car and don't forget but the car's going to have to be developed next year that's the other advantage they have they, they had Verlein Verlein would accept a one year contract I don't think anyone else would and Jensen's not coming back is he Jensen has definitely moved on yeah plus he's still got his ties with Honda mm. so that does make it and it's not with Valentino Rossi by the way in fact Jim Rossi didn't think it was either it was just a when everyone's thrown the hat in he'd have another go of it but it's not Alex Rossi uh, that's unlikely as well but more likely than Valentino Hmm. Um, Both of them are under contract. Why do you think it's going else. to be? Why do you think it's going to be Alonso? Because you wanted to be Alonso. Uh, I think Mercedes Benz have got enough money to make anything happen that they want to. Mm. And I think it would be very. I, I think Alonso has got a score to settle with Hamilton. The thing is, if Alonso and Hamilton were in the same car oh, over a season. Hamilton would win. And I'll tell you why he'd win, because Hamilton is the better qualifier. Hamilton would start ahead of Alonso most races, and it doesn't matter how much better a racer you are, you can't get past. The the issue for Mercedes-Benz would be, in an ideal world, if you could trust those guys to play nicely together, it would be another surefire world championship because you've got the two best drivers on the grid in probably the two best cars or possibly the second best cars next year if you believe the hype of everything else, which I don't, by the way. I still think Mercedes-Benz will romp the championship next year. However, they won't, They are unlikely to want to play nicely together. You've got two alpha dogs together and it could end up in a splatter of carbon fibre and bent I think, egos. I don't think Alonso's not a collider. That's not how he runs. No. And it's, in fairness, it's not how Lewis does either. But I do think it would be difficult to manage. And Mercedes-Benz and the management, or should I say mismanagement at Mercedes-Benz, have yeah, already they go, they proved... they are going to have to tighten that up. Have already proved that they can't handle two egos. No, they try to handle it the wrong but way. But you're right, I do want it to be Alonso. I, I do want it to be Alonso for two reasons. One, because I think Alonso deserves it because he's still... It's, what, because it's a selection of really bad career choices in yes. 2006? Yeah, he's, he, he has made some horrific career choices. Two, I think it would show McLaren up for how bad McLaren and Honda is 
and next year would make them have to work much harder. And I, 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 I'd like to see Alonso have another chance of a title. And with the best will in the world, I'm afraid he's not going to get it staying at McLaren Honda next year, the year, or the year after. But do you think Alonso, he can make all the yard love? Do you think Alonso actually wants to put himself up against Hamilton and risk his very shiny reputation well Miles Cook says Merck surely wouldn't take Alonso he's a curse suddenly McLaren would have a magnificent car Mercedes <laughs> would be in the back <laughs> Alonso is widely regarded as someone who would have won three or four world titles if he had been in better cars for his career well, that's and why does he maybes, want to ruin that exactly that that's my point by yeah. getting into a decent car and, being and not beat winning Hamilton. the title because he wouldn't start on, he wouldn't start on a level playing field because Hamilton knows the team so much better so, then again, if, you, if, if Alonso thinks he's down to his last couple of years, he'd probably grab anything he can get. If Alonso was to go to Mercedes, who replaces him at McLaren? Uh, Jensen Button, right? No, I don't know. That's the problem, isn't it? This is the problem with losing someone. You've got no one to replace them. Well, I mean, this, in point of fact, the only thing that I would say, if I'm going to make this, the teensiest scintilla of a criticism towards Nico um, about his decision was that he had not discussed it with yeah, the team. The and well, they are left. And they who have favoured him this year. Yeah, and, and that's why if he said, "Oh, I'm going to go if I win, and not if I don't," they'd have gone, "Okie dokie." That's a fair point. <laughs> but there's a part of me that just goes, "Wow, he's really given them the finger by not waiting the to... finger." I think he's. I think he's basically gone. I'm just going to think about myself. Forget this for the team stuff. It's not. I don't think it's okay. designed to be unpleasant. I think it's just it's designed to be what it he hasn't needs helped to do. Though, has it? Because everybody's signed. It hasn't helped. But then again, it has in in many ways. It has helped the you know. Bernie might be upset he's losing his world championship. He's managed to get. He's going to get several weeks extra publicity out of this, with F1 staying in the news. Mm. Um, it just shows that there is a shortage of experienced drivers in Formula One now. Well, which, there isn't a sh- the problem which is we the, weren't the, expecting to be saying. The rotation, it, it, it is a really good point, Tim. And, 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 you know, and, and if you look at the good drivers, or the drivers you'd want to sign up if you were running a dream team, effectively, there's, 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 well, there's only six of them now. And, even and they're one all of under those contract. Kind of, yeah, and, and a couple of those are kind of iffy. I mean, if I was going to sit down, right, yeah, you know, for a blank piece of paper, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to have Hamilton, Alonso, Ricciardo, and I'd even have to have Max Verstappen in my team. I might have Vettel. I'm not a big fan, but he might be able. To, and Raikkonen's probably Stabber needs got another year in Formula Three. <laughs> he needs eight years in Formula Three. No, yeah. Um, but beyond that, yeah, you know, would you really put your life on Nico Hulkenberg or your house on Felipe uh, Nasr? No, you wouldn't, would you? No, and Bottas, you say, is one of the better, better of the best. But Bottas is the same as Perez or Hulkenberg. If you wangle those out, again, it'd be an equally good um, number one and a half driver. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder, with the impact, pun completely intended, um, that Verstappen has made, and despite my uh, somewhat less than favourable view towards him and uh, his future... Um, I wonder if they might be tempted to take someone that you've barely heard of. I mean, you know, in terms of someone that is relatively unknown. Well, they might try and get Carlos Sainz out, Junior, but he's not relatively unknown. But there's no, this is this is a very interesting point. There's no obvious 
other series to take a driver out of. Do you, but do you risk in a year in 2017 where there's so many changes? In some ways, that's the best time to bring a new driver in because he doesn't have to unlearn I mean, anything. But that's exactly. But who who out? What used to happen is, yeah, you pull in drivers from IndyCar, you pull in drivers from everywhere else, and you think, well, you know, there's, there's a couple of drivers who have a bit of F1 experience and have been very have, pro, have been very successful in the last couple of years, and and whilst they may not have been had a great time in when they were in F1, it was a reason. Like, so why is why does no one ever think about re-signing Sebastian Buemi, for example? Mm-hmm. Who's a quick guy in Olympia One, one Formula E. I know it's different, but it's still racing. Andrea Lotterer? Um, a bit old. That's the only thing against Lotterer. But you think Boyle right, had a couple of years at Toro Rosso when the when the team really was a B team and didn't and then got sacked off for no discernible reason with Jaime Aguasari. And you think, well, you know, possibly maybe why, but you know, what's Paul Sebastian Maldonado doing now? Uh, not having any money because Venezuela is more broke than anything. Mm. There are homeless people with more money than, than Venezuela have got. Let me uh, throw something at you. Ouch. Okay, hang on. I'll get the get the wicket keeper's gloves on. Right, on you go. Mercedes. Tw- or quite hard. Let me change Tack. the way I'm phrasing this. Okay. Okay, do it, do it, do it in Greek. In oh, the last decade or so, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer, uh, there have been two occasions where drivers who have been driving for Mercedes in DTM have moved to yeah. Formula 1. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's I don't think that's a a bad crack. Who have they got in DTM uh Tim that that could make that switch? Well, that's a very good question. And they've that, got Paul DeResta. They've got Paul DeResta. But he didn't really set the world on fire in his years of in F1 apart from being depressed most of the time. Except that uh, Fifi were not the team they are now. You got Gary Paffett? They got Gary Paffett. Well, it's, so basically you've got a moaning, Jamie Green. You've got an English moaner no, no, or a Scots moaner. He's moaned, not, Jamie, he? not Jamie Green. Uh, Christian Vitoris. Shepard's Jamie Green. No. Daniel Junkadella. No. 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 I, I, do you know what? Again, though, I would say that Paul is a uh, Dave to his friends. Uh, is again, you know, given his first of all, he's probably a bit too tall. But secondly, he would be good because he could jump into a car that was brand new and not have to worry about unlearning the bits that he's missed. And yeah. I, you know, he would get the car. But they're not going to have two Brits in the car, are they? How about Felix Rosenquist? Yes. Yes. I would say if you're going to pull anyone out of DTM, it's going to be Rosenquist or Junkadella, uh, and probably Rosenquist. Uh, Adela's South American, isn't he? He is. Or is he Portuguese? I'm sorry, I really should know that, but... But you see, they have pulled out their... their he's Spanish. Their st- he's they Spanish. Spanish. He's, he's from Andorra. The thing is, is they, right, they have okay. pulled out their star from DTM. That was Pascal Verlein. Hmm. Now, obviously and Verlein, someone else has pulled out their other star, which was Esteban Ocon. As Verlein has, has, has been... As we've now found out, whilst it was never mentioned by the press at all during the season... Um, apparently he's very unpopular everybody hmm. it's weird how these things come out when they, when they, they think they can say it but why, why they, what, they, none of these people actually say it during the year who knows I, I, in some ways I wouldn't be surprised if it was Verline because it's the lesser of two weevils but um, I don't think that that would be anything other than a very very obvious stopgap I don't think that he that he may prove us all wrong but and he may snatch his, his chance with two hands and run off 
over the horizon with it at great and, speed. And win and the I'm World Top Championship in his first, uh, season, first no. season at Mercedes. No. No. Um, um, no. And why would that uh, not happen? No. Uh, that wouldn't happen because of his teammate. Yes. Mm. Uh, but uh, th- I think that would be a very, very obvious stopgap. Eddie Irvine in Formula One, and then <laughs> Michael Schumacher broke his leg, and look what nearly happened. Mm. Yes. Didn't happen, though. Didn't happen. Michael Lyons. Uh, hello, Michael. Nice to know you're tuned in tonight. Is he a player uh, with the job? Well, you could do a lot where I've seen the way Michael can pedal any Formula One car from any era. Yeah, I'm just saying, isn't isn't like a, you know, the 2000s just a bit too new for him? Now, he, the great thing for Mercedes Benz is he could drive everything that they've got in the Heritage Collection uh, as well. Uh, Rosenquist would be a great choice having worked with him. He was very impressive. <laughs> it's. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I wonder if they can get it sorted out before Christmas. That's a big question, isn't it? I think they have to. I think they have to. They when does testing to. start? Mm. When does testing start? February. Yeah, but it's, they've got to get in the simulator. And that's well, that's what I mean. Actual fi- well, real physical do, rolling you out. You can do simulator testing from any time you like for as long as you like. There's no limit on it. Yes, but your actual wheels on the ground is Pirelli rubber is February. Of, back, oh, is it first week of March? Huh? It's a bit later. It might be it? March, actually. I think it's, yeah, February. it's I think it's the end of February, isn't it? And it's, I think it's... I, don't quote me. I think it's the first week of March, but it's, it's back. It's back a bit because of the regulations. I, 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 I think, as I say, that um, that their line would be the the path of least resistance, shall we say? I don't think that sh- that um, given from what we've heard, given that he hasn't really impressed apparently when he has done the testing, um, that that would be a very obvious stopgap. If it's their line then you know that they're going after a big name after the if after it's one fair season. Line, you know they couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> well, or, or, or they've, they've got decided else for 2018. Yes, exactly oh, that's so. That's very true. Exactly so. And of course, they're, oddly, their chief desire is Vettel, isn't it? Yeah. It's a German thing. Well, and frankly, he's not getting what he needs at Ferrari, so he might be, be able to be tempted. And with Raikkonen now doing better than ever, maybe Ferrari might let the very sweary boy, who isn't really doing it, the job for them, bleepy, well, beef beef, the road absolutely. Ferrari got a little bit of a problem, actually, because the, 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 if they, they keep re-signing Raikkonen for a year, and he is getting on a bit, then they're in danger of having to change both drivers next year. I noticed that Christian Horner, who is very good at managing his talent, um, has made it very clear that none of the drivers at Red Bull um, are going to be released. Well, both of them aren't. Ferrari have also uh, made that uh, assertion. Didn't say anything about Toro Rosso drivers, did they? No, actually, they did not. I don't think they'd be interested in Fiat, though. No, but science... Science. Science is a possibility, and science's route anywhere else is blocked. Mm. Because the Ricciardo and uh, Verstappen, provided no one drops a major... Boo boo! It's got to be at least another two years well of done. that. Well done. Thank you. And um, if Science does go to Mercedes, then he'd be replaced by Gasly at Toro Rosso. We'd have thought. Which would obviously make Toro Rosso more very weak next year, driver-wise. But never mind. Well, they've still got experience uh, in Korea. Marco Kupalainen yes. says uh, F3 champion DTM runner-up Eduardo Mortara has just signed with Merck in DTM. Yes. Uh, he des- he deserves to be in Formula One. That's not a bad mm, shout. Don't think he will I be. I don't think he's as good as any of the other DCM drivers we mentioned. 
Right turn lover says Rose and Chris whilst good was beaten in F3 by Auer whilst they were in the same Mooka team. But anyway, it's going to be Verline in his uh, his opinion. Verline uh, is already owned by Mercedes, so he's the obvious choice. Says Johannes Quagliere, yeah, who also no, says that he thought that uh, uh, that Nico's uh, retirement and the way he handled it was the most human thing he's seen in F1 for a very long time. And I don't disagree with that. Johannes. Just because you own own the driver doesn't mean that's the one you want to have. Well, no, exactly. You always have what you. You always want what you can't have. It's the one you ha- you end up having. Yes. That doesn't. I mean, I'm absolutely convinced that if it if it gets down the bottom end of it, they'd rather have Bottas and Verlaine. Whether they can wiggle him out, whether they can afford to take such a risk on a stopgap year, is questionable. With Williams, the they invest, do you think Williams would take the money? I reckon they would. I'm not sure they, they would this year. Any other year, they give every indication they want to take the money whenever they can. Any other year, yes, but this year they need someone with experience. For Mr. Stroll. Mm. Well, That's a fair point. Hang on, we've not mentioned Esteban Gutierrez, the least impressive driver of the year. <laughs> about Su- what about Susie Wolf? Yes, she gets She's retired from Formula One. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Same time I retired from international rugby. I've not retired from Formula One yet. Have you not? No, I have retired from international rugby, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah, not with this angle. <laughs> uh, moving on, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's the stars on episode 45, uh, series 11. Nick and John here at Hindoff Towers and up in London. It's our executive producer, uh, <laughs> Tim Greer. Why are you giggling? Stars on it's the trick only you and I get. Yeah, I, I get it as well. In fact, I had it... The, the music up. lined up and then you ruined it so I've oh that. sorry oh. sorry in our production meeting that we didn't have earlier on because we were busy doing me. other things yes don't mention them uh, <laughs> let's move on what else have you got for us uh, the French Grand Prix is to return it's back yeah a lot of people uh, talking about who's going to watch it well, hang on <laughs> a lot of people talking about this asking if Bernie's going to have to take money from himself am I stupid or did I dream this? But didn't Bernie sell Paul Ricard to yeah, a sure Middle Eastern gone. conglomerate about four years or five years ago? There was lots of talk about it, but I can't find any evidence of the deal actually going through. Wow. Or did he just lease and it to them? In fact, I believe that Bernie now owns it more than he did when we first thought he owned it. So he double owns it? In the respect that... Wow. Uh, back in 1997, it was bought by Excelsis, uh, which oh God, is, a, this is this is another labyrinthine alpha beta toppy copy co Bernie, which, world, which is, is a company uh, <laughs> which was uh, which had uh, Slavica Eccleston on its board, ah, and was now. a subsidiary of uh, Bambino Holdings, uh, which is all part of Bernie as well, is, isn't it? Which was Bernie the world. Uh, offshore family trust that Bernie set up yeah. uh, to avoid Slavica, who was a non-EU resident, having to pay 40% tax. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was nearly knocked over by uh, Bernie's uh, son-in-law on Monday as I was walking back to the... What, by I- a car? Con. How did you recognise him? Because he has the registration numbers S1, S2, S3, S4, S5 and S6, UNT, as his name is Stunt. Uh, and they always drive around together is in that stunt? order. Stunt? Kenny Everett gag. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, so, obviously Bernie now, I believe, has full ownership and not shares wow. it and doesn't share it anymore with uh, his ex-wife. 
Well, I take it back then. I, I, I did think it had gone off to somewhere. Interestingly, the person who used to run it for Bernie... Was Gerard. Was Gerard Neveu, the man now at the head of uh, the uh, LMEM, who are the company that run the ELMS and... Uh, the World Endurance Championship on behalf of the ACO and the FIA. And Gerard, for a little while, was the man who was tasked with getting a French Grand Prix back on the car- uh, on the calendar. Indeed. And it, was, it was my understanding that he left Paul Ricard as MD there, or Chief Operating Officer, or whatever he was, when Bernie was no longer involved in it. Because he, he owned the hotel as well, but Bernie, not uh, Gerard. Opposite, um, the and very the Swiss hotel. And the airstrip, yes. Not the hotel on the airstrip, funny enough, but the hotel on the other side of the roundabout. The, the, the affectionately named Bernie Inn, obviously, is every the time I went past it. The other change was that the original chairman of uh, Paul Ricard, mm-hmm. uh, well, of Excelsis... Uh, was uh, Philippe Goudjian, uh who was at the time uh, the man in charge of promoting the French Grand Prix at Manicourt. Ah. Uh, he died uh, two years, yeah, just over two years ago. The issue, the issue with the Grand Prix going back there is one of infrastructure. It mm. would need a lot of money spending on it. It is still a great but apparently it's one definitely yes, track. one. It's definitely because yeah. But the other thing is how are they going to manage the um track limits well that's a Formula 1 track with lasers because Laser. you can go off for miles on that because it's all tarmac yes. you can yes, reinterpret the entire track if you wish different the bigger problem there. that they've got is for um, spectators spectators getting in and out why do you think this is a problem because you look at the Grand Prix in places like China or Malaysia and you look at how few spectators there actually are and you think there's not going to be any problems with traffic. Yeah, the problem they have is they need lots of spectators to pay the, the licensing fee. The problem that they have that there is one single carriageway road up the hill from the coast yes. to that track. But and if you have no spectators going there... Why make you, no money? Why would you have no spectators Then you lose going? a fortune. Why would you have no spectators going to France that hasn't had a Grand Prix in years when Nine it's years, yeah. 50? 15 minutes away from one of the most beautiful areas of coastline that is chock full of reasonable hotels that would make it very easy for people all over Europe to drive down there, have a couple of days, have some nice food. Perhaps you make it park and ride only. You'd have to. And just... And Ubercopter, obviously. All sorts of constant stream of buses. It's a long way from anywhere where you could do a park and ride. And it's still just a single carriageway road, and there's nowhere to extend it because it's big drops on either on on the yes, side that you on could every side. extend it. Yeah. So why are they chosen? It's Paul Ricard. Yeah, it's mainly called middle of nowhere, and they've got nothing else that's Grade One, I suppose. Mm. Pretty much. Mm. Moving on. Well, the drivers don't didn't like the Le Mans Bugatti circuit, did they? Why not? Tried to race F1 there many years ago. Well, in 1967? Yes. <laughs> in fact, in point of fact, it was a step up from Rouen Les Arts, where it had been in 1966, which tended to kill people quite often. Yes. Although I do like Rouen Les Arts. I don't the, think, the I'm not actually racing, sure if the, the feedback of Denny Hull might really carries much weight these days. 
the fact that they were racing Formula 2 into, I think, the 70s and possibly even later at Rouen Les Arts never ceases to amaze me. Anyway, uh, so well done, Ricard. Listen, it's lovely. I've been to motorcycle races there. I have been to car races there, including 24 Hours, of course. I've never been. I've driven it, actually, in a Le Mans winning race car. Um, class winning race car. Uh, I love it. It's a fabulous place. You've even crashed there. Uh, yeah, well... That's, That's not, not narrowing, narrowing it down, down much. <laughs> um, actually, it is when it comes to race cars. The uh-huh. the uh, I love it. It's a lovely place. It's a fabulous circuit. It's brilliantly run, um, mostly by uh, more experienced gentlemen in black combat fatigues who appear to have retired from the Legionnaire tranche and look like they could kill you with their little finger from a thousand yards. I kill you. Yes, they are very, very good. Um, I, it's going to need a bit of work and a lot of grandstanding, temporary grandstanding put up. And the problem with that is... They can't get out of that single track road. No. There's a more fundamental one about how much grandstanding you can put up. Is it limited by the government? It's limited by the fact that there's an airstrip next to you. Ah. Which is why they won't put up very much, which is why traffic is not going to be a problem. What they could do is get a a selection of um, enormous airships to hover over the track. If it were looking at the gondolas in a 19... Mm. in a Fritz Lang sort of way. I do like your boy's enthusiasm. uh, The helicopters. Well, they could could have a camera as well. Do that. Uh, moving on. Uh, what is surprisingly easy? What is surprisingly easy? Yeah. Well, I don't think I can say here. Driving a Formula One car. Says everybody. Says Jorge Lorenzo. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, he had a go, well, didn't he? Listen, to be honest, driving anything is surprisingly easy if you're when not you're Jorge going Lorenzo, any- yes. Well, and when you're at nine tenths as well. When, when you're. 10 seconds off the pace. How how close was he? Where was he driving it? He uh, drove it a while ago. They released the video this week, didn't they? How oh, was it, Silverstone? Yeah, um, did we get any time ago? And then, but then he released the video package this week. Or last week. If, if, he was, if he was less than 10 seconds off a good lap, he was doing very, very well. He said, I expected it to be much harder to drive because I tried an F2 car two days earlier at Snetterton and that was very difficult to drive. What, an F2 car from 1974? <laughs> No, one of the Jonathan Palmer F2 cars from That's 2000. Really, yeah, with the hardest. It's from it's from 1963. One of those then. It's just a Formula Power Audi from 1973. <laughs> Whenever they came out, 1993. Sorry, it's probably got Damien Faulkner's name on the side still. Mm. Uh, he said, "It's relatively easy to make one lap fast with new tyres, but the most difficult thing is to be at the same level for an hour and a half." Yes, well, you can ask several Formula One drivers who would absolutely agree with you. Tires get the same level of tires at four laps. The thing is, you don't have to worry about the tires lasting an hour and a half because they never do. No, because they have to be replaced at least once. Uh, what? How long? What was the duration of the British Grand Prix this year, Nick? Uh, it rained, so I'll go for one hour forty-six minutes. So, if you wanted to go to Silverstone and have two hours of entertainment and not just an hour and 46 minutes yeah. what can you do hang around 15 minutes afterwards no you could could you uh, go to the silverstone heritage project you can yes <laughs> what 
because the, sil- the Silverstone is Heritage it? Oh, Experience... Right, no. Wait, stop, Tim. I know what it is. Is it a display of all the failed takeover bids? No, it's <laughs> Sir Sterling Moss standing, <laughs> talking for two hours. Calling it Crumpet. And Nigel yeah. Mansell. Yep. And Jackie uh, Stewart standing, CBE. talking for 11 hours. Now, answer me this question, Tim, because I don't know. Yes. Um, whose project is this? Is it the British Racing Drivers Club? Is it Silverstone Circuits? No, it's Silverstone Heritage Limited. And who are they? Uh, they're the company uh, allied to Silverstone Circuits Limited, mm-hmm. uh, who have the task of building a museum at Silverstone. Now, this museum, presumably, is going to be free entry for everybody. Why would you say that? Because it's been funded by lottery funding. Yes. So it's a Tate Modern, and that is free. It's not. Is it? Tate Modern's not free. Yes, it is. No, it's it not. Is. Yes. No, it's not. Neither of the Tate Galleries are free. The National Portrait Gallery is. No, the Tate's are National... free as long as you don't want to go into one of the special exhibitions. Yes, absolutely. Mm, hang on. I definitely walked into the Turbine Hall at Tate Modern. Did you? Yeah, yes. I've never paid to go to either no. Tate. No. But there are special exhibitions which cost money. Oh, anyway, that we're, we're straying off track there. Yes. Uh... So, there will be a permanent exhibition that will take visitors on an exciting two-hour journey through motor racing past, present and future. And it's all free! The exhibition will be housed in the only remaining World War II hangar on the Silverstone site. And it's all free! Which is the one that A1GP used to live in. Yeah, then take galleries free as well, sorry. Yes. It's the, it's the ex- I must have paid for an exhibition all those years ago. Mm. <laughs> the latest technology will be used to tell the, the amazing point. story to the people that have been part of the site's history, from medieval monks and World War II air crews to the racing drivers, riders, engineers and marshals of today. Let's not forget the marshals. No. By mentioning them. James Ryder says, utterly atrocious that something as commercial as Silverstone gets funded by lottery money cash that should be going to charity. I say that even as an avid fan. Don't disagree with you. It's from the Heritage Arts Funds. Hmm. I hope it's free. It, it, It had better be free. And the Silverstone, Silverstone Heritage, I suspect, may be a charity. Well, I'm sure it is. But if there's if there's such a need for it, it is yes. It's registered charity number one one double six two seven nine. Yeah, being a registered charity doesn't mean a lot of things. A lot of very dodgy registered charities. Their but charity but mission is the advancement of education for the public benefit in the history and heritage of the Silverstone Race Circuit and the surrounding area, and in particular its landscape, archaeology, and history as a centre of British motorsport. In particular, but not exclusively, by establishing a museum for the permanent exhibition and preservation of artefacts, archives, and collections of educational and/or historic value. Presumably, as well, they'll be extolling the virtue of having Group 4 running their security up until fairly recently. That's of historical significance. I thought they'd bet when they increased to Group 5. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and their patron is Prince Harry. Really? Yes. Is he nothing better to do? He uh, <sighs> recognises the part Britain's played in motorsport historically and the vital role British expertise plays in the modern era. His Royal Highness is keen to draw attention to the contribution as a means of encouraging more people into engineering and a thriving British motorsport industry. Don't disagree with any of that, but the motorsport industry is pretty well healed, and Silverstone Circuits and the BRDC are very well healed. And really, should the lottery cash be going to it, my answer to that would be no, it should not. 
the exhibition's being designed by Mather and Company, who also uh, built oh, the that's National, be cheap as well. National Football Museum, the Wimbledon Lawn Tennis Museum, the Springbok Experience. Did they all get charity funding as the well? The Springbok Experience? Yes. That's not in England, by S- the way. Seri- serious question. Did the National Football Museum get lottery It money? did, yes. Right, OK. Is it free? No, it's not. That's not on, is it? No. The Warwickshire County Cricket I've Museum. I've already paid for it, thanks very much. Have you the bought Coventry lottery Mot- tickets? Did the Coventry Motor Museum get lottery funding? They've applied for it several times. Well, they blimey well deserve it. It's brilliant, actually. The charity um, of which Tim is speaking was formally registered in March 2016. I, you know, I find really weird. It's not just us. It's, and I know, yeah, but there is so little goodwill towards Silverstone, isn't there? People generally have very little goodwill towards Silverstone. No, listen, I think they've, they've no, I mean, this is improved project they're doing. over the it's years. It's a project where you're kind of going, oh, God. They've definitely improved over the years. We've got to work with them. And last year was the best year by a long way of working with them. And certainly we were there more times last, or this year, should I say, last season. Now. No, I don't really got a problem with it. I think the guys actually run, and the guys I've worked with have all been fantastic. It's more kind of the whole concept of it. I'm not quite sure where that comes from. Why do we, not, why do we, we as Brits, not have more... Because we don't like our natural circuit. Because we're very much inclusive people and not exclusive yeah, people. It's run by the club, yeah. A bit excluding. Right, let's move on. Is it time for Graham Goodwin yet? It or is. is he coming in the second hour? No. Shall, we're going shall, to, shall we we're stretch going it to? Do, oh, do you want to do some? Shall I do uh, the pointless press release of the week? Yes, yes. Go first, on. then. Let's let's mm. do that. Um, right. That means uh, I need to open jingle. the fader first. Right. And then the news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Fire away then. Sandwell's Colin McGrory wins Shot Pina of the Year award. <laughs> Not a euphemism. Sandwell's what? founder what? and technical director has been awarded the prestigious Shot Peener magazine, Shot Peener of the no, Year no, 2016 stop. Adelaide. Stop, stop, stop. Please stop. What is it? The shot peening's like shot blasting, what you oh, need okay, on right. your TR4 IRS. Yes, yes. I do not. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Every car does, unless it's galvanised like my 968. It is, I am currently mid... Or carbon fibre. I am mid... Yes, well. I am mid respray, where I'm midi patching, and in several years' time... It'll need <laughs> shot blasting and lead filling. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, so first of all, acid dipping problem. I, uh, you are having this is a joke, isn't it? You're you're making this up because there is no such thing as shot peener. Is this world shot peener of the year? Surely it's quite shot easy as well. Shot peener of the year, 2016. You just fire the gun at it. Right, no, ha- right. First uh, of all, I don't believe prestigious shot peener magazine. You see, I don't believe there's a shot peener magazine. And if there's not, and there is, it should be on. Have I got news for you? Colin is only the third ever British recipient in the history of what, the award. Oh, what, so it is, is a worldwide award. International award for shot peener. Yes. This is fantastic, Tim. The this shot, is fantastic. The Shot Peener magazine presents the Shot Peener of the Year award to individuals in the industry who've made significant contributions what to the advancement of shot peening. It's our pleasure to award Colin McGorry the Shot Peener of the Year award, commented Jack Champagne, <laughs> of the Shot Peener magazine and chair of the SAE Committee for Service Enhancement. Oh, you give us the Committee for Service Enhancement? <laughs> They've had some fun with their own, with their own titles, haven't they? 
Colin has continued to develop new technologies and techniques as well as working on scientific research to drive the industry forward. Right. I'm still not quite sure how much shot peening goes on. Um, well, I think quite a lot. Well, Let's see if the press release tells us more. <laughs> Upon receiving the award, Colin commented, it's a great honour to receive such a prestigious award as it signifies the international recognition from peers and that is both humbling and inspirational. Of course, this is also a reflection No, 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 this work. is shop painting. This is shot painting. I'd like to point out here, I am now on the shot painting homepage. You are not. And they have testimonials. And their second testimonial is this. The shot painter is a wonderful journal, one I've enjoyed for years. But old age, I'm 92, so I need to give it up. That's in their front page testimonial about my person re- not renewing their subscription. Graham Goodwin of <laughs> DailySportsCard.com has joined us. Have you done any shot painting lately, Graham? It's gripping stuff, this, isn't it, really? Dear me, it's... Uh... <laughs> I've no idea where he finds Hang those. on. I had the list of Shot Peeners of the Year award. Mm. Last year, it was Sylvain Forgeurs from Shock Form. Whoa. 2014, Mike Verne from Engineered Abrasives. And a close fought competition in 2013, Scott Hatfield from Medtronic Spinal won it. Uh, Has anyone ever won it more than once? Oh, well, it's been going since 1992, Andrew Mather tells us. Yes, and, it has. Uh, Colin... Uh, looks in the picture utterly terrified of his own success. <laughs> He's not Colin, young man, uh, Colin only founded Sandwell in 1997. Uh, he discovered that the available service engineering solutions were not often meeting the specific requirements of motorsport customers. So he started the company uh, where he claims quality and customer service were paramount key values that are still part of his ethos today. There is an irony here, guys, isn't there? Because mm. we're talking about shop peening, and this is just about as interesting as watching paint dry. <laughs> Very good. They have had, they've had lady winners. There's been a couple of lady winners of shop peener of the year. Really? Yeah, well, Michelle not... Bandini from Preen oh. Service in 2009, and Marshall Tuff from G-Aircraft in 2005. Does it, once in a while, do they have to have somebody who's got a Formula 1 name? You said there was a Verne, and now there's a Bandini. Yeah. I think we'll draw a veil over Shop Peter of the Year. It's just after nine o'clock, which means it's time for this. <laughs> Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Uh, yes, no more strange magazines and uh, fabulous awards. International Shop Peter of the Year. If you know one more. Uh, obscure than that drop us a line or tweet us please at Specutainment at Radio Le Mans and we'll try and get in um, one of those press releases in the next couple of weeks coming up in the second hour of tonight's programme uh, well there'll be no ball bearings uh, fired at hard surfaces at least we hope not we will be dissecting some LMP2 news with Graham Goodwin we'll be going down under but not rubbing it down under uh, as we look at Bathurst and also a Virgin Australia supercars came to an end at the weekend. That's all in the second hour tonight here on Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. I've got a few words to throw at Graham Goodwin of uh, DailySportsCar.com. He's been throwing all th- sorts around, Graham, to I be know. honest. I uh, it's, it's his way. Just, so, just sometime him, in the next half hour, uh, I'd like you to talk about uh, Schnitzer. Oh. Yes. And the right pope. down. It's a breaded veal cutlet, isn't it? <laughs> Schnitzer, Schnitzer and the Pope and sounds the like a Schnitzer and the Pope sounds like a really, really low budget 
detective series, doesn't it? <laughs> about well, a, ma- about a, when, a man and his schnauzer. When that press release landed, John, on my desk, <laughs> uh, or on, in my inbox, um, for, that we should explain this, is the, the, the FIWEC has, has decided to move the date of the prologue test for the WEC by a week, so it moves around the other side of the LMS, because there's a papal visit at Monza. Mm-hmm. So, Listen, if you're um, going to have to move then, yeah. you know, the supreme being's representative on Earth being at, at the track um, just several days uh, several days uh, after the Pope, when uh, he'll be there. No. <laughs> um, uh, no. The, the Pope's really annoyed at this news because he scheduled this visit so he could watch the cars test. Do you know what? Which That's is the first exactly... time they've been to Monza in yeah, a decade. Um, it's the only way you can get to meet a Marta Ferrari. <laughs> the, uh, um, <laughs> um, uh, apparently, he's a bit of a fan of cars. As you know, he drives a Fiat 500, doesn't he? Uh, most famously. And uh, I, 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 you might be right. Ford Focus. Sorry, he does drive a Ford Focus. Does he? Genuinely does. The, the, um, the Vatican City carpool has Ford Focus, and he drives a Ford Focus regularly. He actually is going for a drive in GTR Men. <laughs> yes, I saw that GTR End. Very good. Uh, very good. So that's messed everything up because now it clashes, of course, with the 24 hours at Silverstone. Yep. Um, so um, there goes my visit to Monza, um, which is a shame because I was in, I was looking forward to the drive down at that time of year. Um, but uh, it will be the 24 hours for me um, and the rest of the team. Uh, but, you know, can't argue with the Pope, really, can you? Not well, you, not you could enough. briefly. Well, is there so any? You don't, is you there don't any? Drive the Lamborghini Miura into a tunnel. But, no. uh, <laughs> um, is uh, uh, Tim? Are you going to throw any more words at uh, at Graham other than Schnitzel and sorry, Schnitzel? Come here, Schnitzer and the Pope. We really well, do need to get it. Let's let's talk about the Schnitzer story, right? We Schnitzer. Can. Although oddly enough, that that story is is sort of incomplete. What we do mm. know is that Schnitzer will be moving back to sports car racing, which Charlie um, Lamb, Carl Lamb, will be delighted about. He will be indeed, um, and you will uh, immediately uh, give the quote that you love the most that Charlie Lamb actually gives about twenty-four hour racing. Charlie. There's only two sets of people in the world: those people who understand and love twenty-four hour races, and everyone else. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely right. So that we can presume at this stage that Schnitzer's programme will be a factory-blessed GT3 programme because the MTech team will be um, preparing for the entry of BMW into GTE Pro in the FIWEC the following year. So Wow. Uh, so Schnitzer's be... not getting that programme? Look, that's, uh, that certainly looks to be the way, uh, unless there's a massive four-car program coming, which there isn't. Uh, but the, basically what we've had is a, a reshuffling of the deck chairs um, of the BMW factory teams, or the the, uh, the, the blessed factory teams, uh, to decide what they're going to be doing do, in the next uh, the next 12 months. Do we know, Graham, what, how, if, if, any, if in any way, this will affect the... DTM program. It's no secret at all that Charlie Lamb is a, an endurance fan, and the I mean, uh, jokingly he would call DTM taxi cab racing. It's it's far more from that. Those cars are um, very very sophisticated chassis. Um, actually, something akin to a GTP car um, underneath. Um, but do we know if there is any effect on on what Schnitzer are doing with BMW in in DTM? 
I think don't think they are doing DTM, are they? I think they've they've been pulled from the DTM right. uh, lineup. I think is the that's case. Correct, yeah. I don't double yeah. check it, but but uh, that's because uh, across the board, the factory uh, DTM efforts are being uh, scaled down. Which, by the way, when we get to talk about uh, LMP2 in just a little wee while, has had a potential impact on what and who we might see there uh, in the WEC in 2017 but uh you know that's 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 bmw just beginning to kind of recast things ahead of well who knows what in the future to be honest with you at this stage all sorts of rumors all sorts of actuality we know that there's been projects that have been um suggested uh proposed and turned down that continue to be rumours that that might well come back and we might see them, uh, you know, step forward uh, out of the the darkness that is DTM into the light <laughs> that is sports car racing and and potentially we might see something of well, an LMP program. But that, but their initial program, as you know, John, was turned down by the board. Uh, yes, the 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 LMP program. Correct. Yeah, the money had been put aside for R and D half a uh, half, five hundred million euros. Um, which some people might call half a billion. Um, um, of course, they'd be wrong. Uh, the um, uh, that money had a, uh, apparently been put aside, um, but now that has been. Uh, I was going to say sort of put in escrow. I don't know what's happened to it, but he ain't going on LMP1 R and D. Um, just a couple of uh, tweets coming in, which I, I want to get to before I forget. Sheer Adam points this out with regards uh, to His Holiness being at Monza. Uh, yes, had to move it because there was a potential awkward situation there, wasn't there? Ah, uh, oh, Your Holiness, welcome along to the pit lane. Oh, can I have a quick go in the Ford GT? Uh, difficult to say no to the Pope, isn't it? Your Eminence. Your Holiness. Yes, very good. Um, the, uh... Do you not feel, though, Yes. That it would be more apt to hold the to hold the meeting uh, in Germany, because then he could have kissed my he could have kissed his Nurburgring. Ah, very good. Uh, James Ryder says uh, on the uh, 20, 20 million pounds of of uh, lottery funding going to the Selzwurst Heritage project, twenty million. Sorry. So it's only nine point one million. All right. Okay. Nine point one million. Give me 9.1 million and I could get several thousand kids carting and thinking about a career oily, uh, being oily and spannering rather than stabbing people. I, I can tell you, by the way, I can tell you the very first pro- project to be turned down for lottery funding. And I can tell you this with uh, uh, absolute clarity. Since I was the, no, no, it's absolutely true. I right. was the press officer to launch the National Lottery. Um, and uh, that was, it was never going to work. It was never going to get off the ground. Uh, the Millennium Wheel was turned down <laughs> really? for lottery funding. Really? Com- completely correct. Absolutely. Well, they, they couldn't spin it. Yeah. Well, yeah, they couldn't make it. You know, there, there was actually a famous, um, famous stunt by uh, Virgin Atlantic. This would have been at the time when Virgin and uh, BA were at loggerheads, and you might recall when they were lifting it from the horizontal to the vertical, one of the winches failed, and uh, for I think about two months it held a banner that uh, one of their uh, they guys got to it, which was uh, it's uh, British Airways can't get it up. Mm. <laughs> um, of course, it, that that was sponsorship funding. They put that together from British Airways. It was called the the British Airways Wheel for a while, wasn't it? It was. Um, uh, so right, so we've got the Pope, we've got uh, Schnitzer in, and and I can't wait for that to see how that is going to uh, to work out. And the uh, I, I want to Can talk about things Porsche. Porsche. Oh, go on, go on, go on, go, on. go with Porsche. 
Porsche's Night of Champions um, yes. released its normal uh, amount of secrets, um, some of which were more secret than others. But first of all, the winner of the World Porsche Cup. Oh, you've caught me now. Was it Robert Renault? It was Robert Renault. Yes. Well remembered. Who's... <laughs> Who, among other things, of course, has been wowing us with his performances in the international yeah, but endurance series. I've got a real series. problem with him. Why? Well, he's got a twin brother, identical twin brother called Albert, and they don't have A or R just, on their trousers. It's, just, it's really hard to work out who's who. Is that why he's won? Has he got double points? To <laughs> <laughs> know. Actually, that's brilliant. It hasn't actually been him all year. It's, it's been, been Albert. It's been the pair of them. They're Robert. They're Albert. They're Robert. They're, yeah. And it's, which that's one are you? He's... Which one are you? <laughs> Has anybody actually looked at the results to see if he's got points on the same weekend at different tracks? Yeah, good point. It was like the Jones twins in the uh, British GT Championship. I could never tell them apart until one of them had his bit, uh, nose bitten off by his dog. At least they're in the same car, though. <laughs> it's quite extreme, that, isn't it, really? It's true. <laughs> well, they're in a different car. It'd be fine. It'd be in different garages, Tim. It'd be no problem at all. Mm. Mm. Uh, and uh, right, uh, the other thing that, of course, came out of that was the... Uh, allocation of drivers to Porsche 919s, not 919s, 919s. It was indeed. Do you want to talk about that as well? Yes, come on, crack on. Well, I mean, we've got all sorts of changes, haven't we? But uh, to me, the uh, the number one car, I think, is looking pretty darn special, isn't it? Uh, because we've got, um, it's Nick Tandy, Andre Lotterer and Neil Janney, I think, are going to be the trio in the number one car, which leaves us with... Come on, you know this one. What? Haven't we got two Kiwis in the same car? Uh, uh, is that allowed? I'm not <laughs> sure that's allowed anywhere, actually. <laughs> and yeah. only one driver in those six who's not a Le Mans winner. Is You've got right? me now. Oh, it's, right? it's, uh, it's, of course, it's uh, Brendan Hartley. Yeah. No, hang on a minute. No. Yes. 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 No. Yes. Maybe. No. Yes. Possibly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, only one driver who hasn't uh, who hasn't uh, won Le Mans World Champions are plenty. Looks pretty. Think it's very funny that they have to call him Hare Hartley. Yeah. Very good. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, the uh, continuation of Mark Leib's career in engineering seems set fair. We were talking about him potentially being. A, 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 trying to fulfil his ambition of being the first person to win Le Mans as a driver and an engineer and that could still happen he's still very much part of the family although uh, it, 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 I think GTs are more in his future now aren't they? Well we're going to see him John and I know we're going to be coming on to talk about um, what's going to be happening in very early February but uh, we're going to see Mark Lieb uh, racing around the mountain yeah. and uh, you i uh Krelsey and the rest are going to be treated i'm sure to absolutely gallons of high caffeine uh, iced coffee again because that uh, fabulous ice break mm. porsche is back and it's going to be uh, pat long and mark lieb are going to um share seat time in that car so it's going to be great already to see already a favorite i would say that car right now. Uh, uh, yes that, that, that car is going to be hurled at the mountain hurled at it repeatedly uh, the uh, Roman Dumas, his future a little less certain, but Roman talked to you and I as far back as Japan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and told us that he was. Um, he he, he it was, was very clear away. in the conversation yeah. he had he had with 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 me. And I think he had the same one with you, John. That uh, he. 
I think he's almost elected not to continue, even if there'd been a choice. I think he'd, he'd, he'd been there, he'd done that. Let's wait and see what uh, remains. He is still going to be part of the Porsche family, but he's going to go off and do the Paris-Dakar rally. Or the, mm. well, the Dakar rally, as it's called now. Yes. Uh, but uh, amongst his... I mean, he, he's another one, isn't he? He's going to, you know, 21st century old-fashioned racing drivers that, that will have a go at all sorts of things. Um, you know, whether or not it's GT cars on rallies, whether or not it's Pikes Peak and winning it twice now overall. Uh, and now he's going to look to to go again. He's tried it, I think, twice before the Dakar rally, but they're going to go, I think, with Persia this time and uh, try and win that. You might as well call it the Paris-Dakar rally because it goes as close to Paris as it does to Dakar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim gets all the good lines. Remember the uh, the Lego one last week? Very good. Um, People are still tweeting about that. Yeah, no, it was very good. Very, very good. Um, are anything else to come out of Porsche that we need to keep an eye on uh, in uh, terms Will's of what's most, going on? Well, most favourite upside down racing driver, Lons Vanter, of course. We yep. knew this a little while ago, Ooh, yes. but Lons confirmed now. And we'll be seeing you and the guys across in IMSA for the season. Yes, because with uh, with Nick and Earl drafted into the prototype team, the 919 team, um, it leaves a couple of gaps over in the IMSA programme. This is very, very interesting. Um, first of all, that Vanter has gone over. But we understand why that would be. But secondly, that he's taking on a challenge of circuits that he's not that familiar with, Graham. But this is yep. the way of right. Porsche. They quite often do this. I think it's great. I mean, there's no doubt, I think, anybody's mind that Lance Ventura is a driver of extremely high quality. Um, but we've not seen him in much other than GT3 machinery for quite a time. And I think it's going to be very interesting indeed. If he makes a good fist of that um, of that campaign in 2017 in IMSA, John, his stock is going to be very high indeed. Yes. Uh, and he's the sort of driver, I think, who will enjoy the challenge uh, of the American circuits. Uh, and the the input that the drivers make there, that uh, I, I I just think he's going to really love it when he gets out there. He's going to love the racing. He's going to love the tracks. The unknown, of course, is the new car, because we're not sure what that new car is going to be like. And um, it's using the big four-liter engine, albeit moved forward in the engine bay. Yes, forward in the engine bay. Um, and the I, I don't know. That's still a bit of an unknown to me. Um, and, I, and I suspect that we won't find out very much about that uh, until we see it run. The other thing is, of course, that, uh, as expected, Porsche confirmed that they are back in the FIA WEC with two factory entries in GTE Pro. Yep, so that's uh, you know a net gain of one in GTE Pro because obviously we will lose the Dempsey Proton car uh, but uh, two new factory entered cars for the WEC so beginning to get a flavour of the kind of shape and scale we're going to have for uh, for the grid I know certainly um, I think in, in your hearing and mine Gerard Naveau has expressed confidence that we're going to be at and around or above 30 cars for the season on the face of it it does seem quite difficult to see where that's coming from uh, at that level but uh, but you know but let's wait and see what emerges uh, several conversations today on a number of fronts to do with uh, the two classes that perhaps are the least transparent at the moment one of which is LMP2 the other one is GTM and I think there's still programs to emerge in both yeah um, it's good news it really is good news this is hard on the heels of course of the elevation of the GT category 
uh, to a full world championship, not before time. Um, got to say that Salinzi C- C- Owen Jones was very clear on the fact that they were pushing the FIA World Motorsport Council very hard from the Endurance Commission to make that happen. I'm not saying at all, Graham, that that was a deciding factor in getting Porsche into it. But it, I mean, for any GT manufacturer, and particularly for Porsche, who have the attraction of having potentially two world champion, uh, two world champion programs in the same season in the same series, uh, it's got to be something that major manufacturers are looking at. And yes, Corvette, I'm looking at you. Well, yeah, I think they, well, you'll come to Corvette in a moment, so I think on a couple of fronts. But, you know, it, it's you know, a world championship in any regard, John. I mean, I can remember, and I'm sure you guys can as well, when every Lotus road car used to carry yes. The, yes. um, the, the, the symbols of the world championships that the market actually won. Um, now, what we do know, because uh, the, uh, the, the world's latest post-race press release that arrived yet. To yesterday or today from uh, Labra competition makes it very clear Jacques Vacant saying that he has put forward a business case for GT Pro and is effectively now waiting for the response of General Motors. So good for there him. Is, yeah, good for him. Absolutely. Get it out there publicly. What the heck? Um, uh, what we do know is it's unlikely that uh, other than for perhaps a one-off here and there that's going to feature any of the four full-season IMSA drivers because they've been taken on for the sixth consecutive season yeah. for Corvette Racing in the IMSA Championship. Yeah, so, I saw Tommy... Ollie Gavin making that announcement on his own behalf uh, earlier on this evening. Brilliant. So Ollie Gavin with Tommy Milner, Jan Magnussen with Tony Garcia. And you know, there you go. Well, there's, there's a story in itself, John. You've got lots of new at Porsche versus lots of uh, very well established at Corvette for the season. So lots going on at the moment. And it, it does add that, that just a, just a bit more of a frisson, doesn't it? to what's already looking like it's going to be a, a very good competition in IMSA uh, GTE, but we could get somewhere, I think pretty rapidly uh, where it, uh, it gets better still with BMW. We know coming and others rumored to be coming rapidly too for the WEC, a world title, a proper world championship will do no harm whatsoever in everybody's endeavors in trying to make that happen. Um, Dirk Werner uh, on board at Porsche as well. I'm delighted for Dirk. Um, such a long time working with BMW and uh, left in not great circumstances. Um, I, I, you and I talked about this on the air at was it Shanghai or was it Fuji? I can't remember. I really don't understand BMW's uh, tactics at the moment in terms of their driver lineup. We've been talking about this new GTE car. They're bringing back the experience of some of their big teams, and yet their driver selection, their works driver selection, is leaving me completely flummoxed. And to let people like Andy Prior, with the experience of Prior, of Werner, and a couple of others, drift away and then be immediately snapped up by their competitors when you're developing a new car, I really don't understand it, Graham. Well, I'm guessing that uh, whilst they've been watching what's been going on in the WEC this year, um, the BMW team management have been watching what's happening with Ford and using a Dutch engineering word, damn, damn, <laughs> a lot, because Andy Prio has been absolutely on fire, quite literally actually on fire at uh, the Nürburgring. Was, but, yes. uh, but after that, uh, was uh, pretty quick as well. So, um, it, 
it's coming together quite nicely, isn't it? If if all the kind of stars align, literally, in the next two years, and we do get, well, obviously BMW and uh, the odd couple of others coming before the end of the decade, could be something pretty special coming here, John. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're going to get back to how great it was uh, not so long ago when, I, when you and I begged the powers that be to leave it alone. They didn't do that. No. Nope. Um, in some ways, this renaissance of GTE, and it could have gone one or either of the ways. I'm still not happy with performance balancing in it. I still believe it has no place. I think in some ways this is in spite of and not because of what has been done at the highest level. And I think they've been in some ways very, very lucky indeed that the marketing cycles of various big manufacturers, BMW being one of them, have swung back around uh, to make this worthwhile. What it does tell me is that the draw of Le Mans is as strong as ever it has been. Because there's no earthly reason, really, um, why BMW should be doing what what they're doing. They've done very well in GT3, as have some of the other manufacturers. But the fact that they have... And that is purely for Le Mans. I'll tell you now, if they could get away with just entering Le Mans, they would. But they can't, so they'll be doing other stuff uh, as well. Uh, Corvette, you mentioned. Uh, tell us about yes. Corvette. Well, yeah, it is the uh, the four main men back uh, for another crack at uh, the title that they won more than anybody else. And uh, despite kind of rumour and speculation that there might be a bit of a clear out, uh, I guess that's got to be potentially good news for Jack LeConte in that uh, he's had Ricky Taylor aboard the Corvette for better part of the second half of the season. Um, there's a couple of other guys kind of bubbling under that uh, that we might see kind of have a, a bit more of a crack at it. We wait to see whether or not Marcel Fesler will get, as has been uh, rumoured, an opportunity to join the Corvette team for the Enduro races again. Oh, I, I, I think that's a given. I'll be I honest so. with you. I think that's a given. The question for me is, will be whether he gets a, a bigger role in what Jack is potentially doing in Europe. Now that could be an interesting one, couldn't it? So let, because he clearly oh, sorry, knows in, all this. in in the FIA WEC. The world. Excuse me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um, but it's it, we've got some some tricky moments to come, uh, John, with a, a couple of these potential efforts coming forward. I mentioned P2. I mentioned GTM. There are some. Uh, projects that are not yet finally pulled together and p2 in particular is at a tricky moments at the moment why because there is a lot of commercial work still to be done these are expensive new cars um the gt cars was almost well in fact rather more expensive in some cases mm. um but the lmp2 teams this commercially matters a great deal for those motorsport companies which is what these teams actually are and the big problem at the moment is they're not sure which car to buy. And there's now a bit of a gamble underway between when do you decide to actually put down your check to say there's a deposit for the car and when do you get your car? Because I've been hearing from more than one team this week that, uh, well, certainly one, and I believe potentially more than one uh, of the chassis manufacturers telling teams that unless you're pretty quick, they cannot guarantee you'll have your car before the wow. ELMS prologue. Wow. Really? Uh, well, Oracle uh, have, have gone public to say it's 15 cars, uh, the 07. That includes the uh, the, uh, the updated 05 cars. But it's 15 Oracles. Uh, that would include, by the way, a couple of spare 
chassis, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, 15 cars will be out there. We know of a number of Dallaras and more to come. Ligier are picking up a lot of new business, particularly in the marketplace, moving over from LMP3. And that's on the back of what has to be said has been a very impressive customer service. We're still waiting to see the Riley. um, And we'll see that for the first time next week because the car will be on track um, uh, at the IMSA test and then later in the week uh, in fact throughout the week at the Dunlop test at Sebring where all four of the chassis will be present but it's coming together there are still, I should tell kind of listeners right now there are still surprises to come and I'll make it absolutely clear I know what one or two of those surprises are there's at least one big one that I really don't know the name behind it, but I know there's one. There's one. Uh, well, we've uh, been talking that, about ART Grand Prix for a while, not have them. we not? We're not talking about that. We're right. not talking. ART. I'm as I'm as sure as I can be that they will have a Delara. They've certainly been marketing that, and I think we'll we'll be talking about ART being in the WEC, probably with one car, maybe two. Let's wait and see how things actually come forward. But when when I talk about a big name team, it is not ART because that I'm just. Um, quoting to you as a given at this stage um the uh potential looking a bit further into the future let's just rub the crystal ball there uh new gt3 spec gtr from nissan potentially downsizing that fabulous v6 twin turbo engine uh, what, what I've been told is that uh, we're talking about a new car for 2018 and that the tech at the front there is GT500 spec tech, uh, which is... That would be a 2-litre uh, turbo then. Indeed, so 600 wow. brake horsepower, 2-litre turbo. Now, is this for a back. race car or for a road car or for both? This is race car. So oh if it's God. in a race car, it has to be in the road car. Now, uh, for a GT3 car, it had to, so that the, the, my guess would be that you might be talking about a whole different uh, ball game for, for at least one form of the GTR in 2018. So I've been told there is a new um, Nissan GTR GT3 for 2018. The other uh, announcement that was out there this week came in uh, one of the often wide-ranging missives that come from Wolfgang Derheimer, the... Um, VW, uh, VAG, uh, head of motorsport, and uh, two stories out from Volkan Durham. Yeah, one well, of which downsizing of Bentley. Well, yeah, well, I think you and I, I don't we've know if you... seen it. We've seen yes. this this car in the it's a, carbon, it's at a, least. It is a no, I, there was the concept car was at the Bentley End of Season Awards last year. Yeah, um, and it is a stunning thing. Uh, it's not a baby anything. It is a sizable coupe, but it's significantly <laughs> more svelte than a Continental GT. Well, the difference and... here in terms of its its design philosophy is the Continental GT is a genuine two plus two. It actually in convertible form, it's a four seater. But this is not a two plus two. This is a two seater only. It's a lot shorter, uh, a lot lower, uh, a lot lighter. The question will be, what is the engine going to be? Will they recycle that gorgeous, brilliantly technological marvel of a Swiss watch of a four-litre V8 that is all Bentley that Audi share as well? Or will there be something else? And will it possibly be a small straight-six engine? Well... It's, uh, the, the concept car was the EXP10 Speed 6. Yes. Um, and basically what uh, what uh, Wolfgang Derheimer's uh, missive, I think this one was Auto Express actually ran this story, 
was that uh, they're aiming for a younger market that he, I think, quite correctly uh, believes that if you go a little you know, down market from a Bentayga, you're putting yourself into a marketplace with a Bentley brand against brands that really they don't want to be in competition with. Mm. Um, they don't feel that they're in that marketplace. But uh, if, you, if you, you go into marketplace with a smaller sports coupe or GT, then you're in with things like the Aston Martin Vantage, and that's yep. fine. Yeah. Um, so that's what I believe what we've got coming there, Porsche John. 911. Uh, and and uh, Wolfgang Durheimer and his, and his colleagues uh, at the Bentley Awards this year, I mean, it is... Let's make no bones about this. Whilst the Bentayga might not be everyone's cup of tea... This is going to be the biggest selling Bentley worldwide ever. Originally, when they did their sums, um, it was they thought they might do three and a half thousand um, in the first year. It's going to be closer to six thousand units this year, um, and it's it's quite remarkable um, that they have been able to air. Um, tool up and do that take on the extra people and B that they researched the marketplace so well for it um, I think the the the, uh, the line of the night from up there a couple of weeks ago was uh, uh, Wolfgang Terheimer saying um, of course we always knew that the world needed a high luxury premium SUV <laughs> uh, which yeah okay Sounds sounds reasonable, but without that kind of success, Graham, um, then we simply wouldn't have the motorsport program. Well, I think let's reel back a few years, and you know, purists like I'm a bit of a purist, and I hated the idea that Porsche were going to build an SUV. Hated it. Uh, but the reality is it's been a commercial success. That's sustained an awful lot of other things technologically and commercially for that company. The same is the case for Audi with the Q range um, that we've, we've seen emerge there very successfully. We've got Jaguar now with the F-Pace, Rolls-Royce coming forward, etc. If that's what people want to buy, then that's what these companies have got to sell. And uh, in terms of you know what Bentley are actually doing there, well, why would they give up part of the marketplace to a competitor um, if they can see that there's a place for their brand. I sort of get it. It's not necessarily my sort of car, but I'm quite happy to turn around and say, well, actually, something that looked at the time really a very big car indeed, the Audi Q7, you go across the United States, it looks small. Mm. And, of course, it that's the platform does. that it would share, the new Q7 uh, and Cayenne uh, platform. That's the, the platform that the Bentayga shares, albeit with very much uh, a Bentley uh, take uh, on that as you say it's not everyone's cup of tea but I've got to say the cars that they're turning out of crew now are as good as they've ever been um, oh, yeah. I was taken away uh, from that uh, event in a, a, a what I would still call a proper Bentley a 6 and 3 quarter litre V8 that engine has fantastic uh, provenance in a Mulsanne speed and it's got everything that you want. It's you know it's very up to date, and yet it's still very obviously a Bentley. And um, thanks very much to Ben for driving me back to the hotel. It, I mean, there is just something very very special about that brand, uh, and I think that Audi and Volkswagen AG have done a cracking job with the investment over the last 15 or so years. 
uh, in that, a little bit more than that, uh, in crew and sustaining and increasing the workforce and the apprentices there really is a success story that isn't talked uh, enough. And by the way, if you ever think that you might be in the position to buy a Bentley, if you're ever that lucky and you're not sure, go on the factory tour and you, and you will never question the price of one of their cars again. Indeed, all you need to do is look at the leather shop, the wood shop, and where they make the steering wheels, and you'll wonder how they ever make a profit on the car, despite the um, otherworldly prices for most of us who are listening or working on midweek motorsport. Um, so that's good news from Bentley, and uh, their customer programmes continue. Um, they've got a little something still ticking over at Bentley that I think is not uh, generally known and I think they've played a very very clever tactical game in the current circumstances um, of the VW group and their automotive and and more importantly their motorsport issues uh, at the moment of which I'm sure we will be able to talk to Brian Gush about. Are you talking about the BTCC programme? Yeah that's (laughs) That's right. Oh, did I say that out loud? The, oh the, uh, well, that, well, Sorry, you would Brian. have to find something else for B, T, C and C to stand for, wouldn't you? It would have to be the bespoke um, touring car championship rather than the British touring car championship. <laughs> Belgium. Uh, or the Barclays. Uh, oh, yes. Barclays yes. Uh, touring car championship. Uh, just doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Uh, right, what else do I want to talk to you about? Uh, you wanted to talk series. to me about Bathurst. I did want to talk to you about okay, Bathurst. Bathurst first. What were you going to say, Tim? Sorry, I didn't hear you there. I said 24-hour series. 24-hour uh, series as well. Yes, we can talk about that. I'll jot that down. Um, Bathurst, first of all, a mouth-watering list, uh, provisional list of cars uh, that uh, were, was published uh, over the last couple of days. 58 cars. 35 GT3s, which is Class A, down there, and delighted to confirm the return of M Sport Bentley. It wasn't for sure. The organisers have worked really hard with Malcolm Wilson's team, uh, with Matty Wilson, and indeed with Brian Grush and the motorsport team at Bentley to make it work. Uh, Craft Bamboo Racing coming with a couple of GT3 R's. Uh, Yep. Latterly racing Aston's there. In fact, in fact, put the, in fact, the the resurgence of the GT3 Porsche uh, mm. entry is is you know I think a key part of the the numbers. The the Walkinshaw GT3 Porsche there as well. Competition Motorsports we've already mentioned the Icebreak uh, Porsche and the Amac uh, Motorsport car which looked fantastic last year. But it's the depth, John, within Graham, each of the makes Graham, there. Not one, not two, not three, but four GTR Nismos. I'm hoping there will still be four GT on this one. I know one of them had a very substantial accident in testing um, in New Zealand fairly recently. So I'm hoping that's that's completely correct, John. Certainly there are still four on the list. But, you know, you, you, you go through the list there. There's not many significant GT3 makes that aren't represented, are there? Seven R8 Audis, five Mercedes-Benz, two BMW uh, M6 GT3s. And, and a partridge in a pear. Tree. It is exactly that's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> and that's before we've mentioned Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. Um, now, I'm sorry, Macau, but really, this yeah. is the FIA GT World Championships right here, 
right at that circuit in the first week of February next year. And it's a circuit, with due respect to Macau, that is absolutely correct, or would be correct, for an FIA GT3 World Championship. I mean, it, it is... Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, John, by the way, every every chance of actually seeing a GT3 car upside down at some point there as well. But you know, it's it is a fantastic. Lauren Van Tour driving. Well, not the, but it's you know it, it is a fantastic place for for GT racing, and you know, it's a big favourite of ours. I know it is, and it's a huge favourite of mine. And I'm delighted to be going back again this year. And thank you for that. But it's really capturing the imagination not just of the teams and not just of the drivers but of the fan base as well uh, and you know way beyond the 30 plus thousand people well, that turned out last year to watch the race um well they, they very early on the Orton dub camping on the top of the mountain yes um yep. which is you know it was done last year for the first time ever it was done again for this the next year's event it's going to be awesome and and let's let's not forget gt3 strong but more growth as well in Class C, which is GT4. Eight yep. cars at the moment. Aston Martin, Porsche, Lotus, KTM and McLaren. That's is Andy interesting. Is Palmer still going to do this, by the way? Sorry? Is Andy Palmer still going to race? Oh, I think you might see him come out. He yeah. did say he would. He did. He did. And, of course, the, the, uh, the GT4 McLaren is going to be uh, making its, uh, its uh, Bathurst debut as well. Yes. Very interesting. Um, there's also a, a raft. I don't know what the collective noun for Mark Cars Australia in Focus and Mazda 3 shape. The Daytona, the beautiful Daytona sports car is back. There's an Aston Martin Vantage GT8. Rick Shaw's back with the RX7. And now, I, I think it's, it does say RX7 on the list, but I did wonder whether or not it was an RX7 or maybe it's an RX8 and they've got that one wrong because isn't it Rick Shaw's mob that have actually... Um, bought the ex-Grandam cars. Yes, they have. That that's a fair point. But they have run sevens uh, in the past, and eights actually. So it could be, it could be either. I love the, I love the variety in the race. I do slightly mourn the passing of the production cars, but they've got their own six-hour race at Easter now. So I don't feel so bad uh, for them. Can't wait to get down there. Now, if the cars are the stars, then by no means any uh, less really of a headline act than some of the drivers. And in terms of the uh, Antipodean drivers down there. We've got Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup, Mark Winterbottom, Chaz Mostert, and a few legends from Aussie V8s and supercars, including, and how did they get Mark Skiff and Russell Ingle in the car together? I'm not sure how that's going to work. There'll be fisticuffs as they change over, surely, bumping and boring as they're getting out the car. Tony Longhurst, Stephen Richards also, as well as the... First Kiwi V8 or supercar champion since, we believe Jim Richards is what I thought it was, way back through the years. And that would be SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen, who clinched the title uh, on the streets for the final time uh, over last weekend. Interesting pair of 250k races. This is going to be big, Graham. And when I say big, I mean big in an Australian sense, which means bigger than most. Absolutely, and they're going to be matched against the best from around the world again. Mm. And, you know, it's that's, I think, for me, John, yes, the quality, yes, the track, yes, the place, yes, the climate, yes, the welcome, yes, 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 to all of that. 
But the big difference, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, has been rather oddly a move that a lot of people I think said and we worried whether or not V8 supercars actually taking over this event from Yahoo events uh, who looked after its its genesis if you like whether or not that might actually be a bad thing it's not turned out that way because what's happening is that you're getting the best that Australia can actually muster from their domestic scene being able for the first time to measure themselves head to head against the best of the GT drivers from around the world. And that I think is that for me is what's really very special here because it gives us as an international audience and observers an opportunity to see just how good these Aussie guys are. And the answer, by the way, if you're in any doubt is they're very, very good indeed. And what that's doing is to expand their horizons because we are now seeing the, the likes of Craig Lowndes, etc., looking a little further. They've enjoyed that competition and they're now looking for that opportunity to take that fight out of their homeland. And that, again, just adds further layers to the, to the, to the, to the story, to the puzzle. And that race, this is the race that's done that. Mm. The, the Bathurst 12 hours done that. And I think will be, I hope, at least, lauding the success here for many, many years to come. But uh, I don't see this yet having hit its peak. And oh, that's by no means. Uh, and that's even more mouth-watering because it's already darn good. It's a matter of what really comes next. Uh, if you're looking for somewhere that is worthy of a, of a, a title of the, F, of the, of the FI GT World Cup, you're looking at it right there. The uh, best news, according to Sheer Adam, is the important news that Donut King Car is back. Uh, Donut King Car is back and Krills is installing a coffee machine in the press room. Oh. Better still. The, uh, it was the best bit of television I've ever been a part of. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. It, you know, but there's, there's not been, other than the, the rampaging chest infection I suffered from throughout the, the meeting last year, it is, it is by far been the most pleasant surprise of an event that I've been involved with for many, many, many years. Yes, I love the place. But you, you know what? You could end up going to a place you love and make excuses for the racing, excuses Never. for the event. You don't have to do that. You know, if you get the opportunity watch it and listen to it. If you don't get the opportunity, make the opportunity and watch it and listen to it because you will not regret it. This will throw up an extraordinary event again. And I've just tweeted the link to the TV commercial. Uh, Nick Damon is with us on the line from DSCHQ. It's Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, whilst up in London is our executive producer, uh, Tim Gray. Good evening, if you have uh, just joined us. Don't forget, you'll be able to catch up if you have just joined us uh, with everything that you've missed uh, in the first hour and 44 minutes uh, on the archive. It'll be uh, as as quick as humanly possible. Uh, (laughs) It will be up on... uh, I had no clue. Um, It will be up on RadioLeMond.com. Before we let Graham go... Um, the other little piece of uh, Wolfgang Durheimer news that came out was something extraordinary. And I'm not really sure how to take this, but he suggested to, was it Autocars, Jim Holder? That was. the was. So someone proper then. Yeah, you're not. Someone who Absolutely. knows how to write down a quote <laughs> and oh, actually make the headline of the story, either in print or indeed on a website, have something to do with the body of the text. Uh, and Jim Holder, when asking him questions about all kinds of things, VAG, um, managed to get out of Wolfgang Durheimer that if somebody came along with the right amount of money, the Audi R18s would be released 
from the factory. Well, that's sort of what he said, wasn't it? Well, uh, yeah, what he's basically said is there's interest. Uh, there's interest. They would respond positively to that interest. But uh, the, 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 you always look for what it's not saying. What it's not mm. saying is, what, which is clearly obvious, is they're not going to be paying for it. So uh, what he's not whatever... saying he's going to let the cars out of his sight either. What I read no, from no, he's not. He's what not. I read from what Jim wrote was that if you've got enough money to hire us as an organisation, i.e. Audi Sport and potentially someone like Yost, then we would consider it. What we're not going to do is hand over the instruction manual um, and the jump leads and let you get on with it. That's a shame, because uh, no, if I, I was think, yeah. Toyota, I'd uh, go for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, uh, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, putting everything else to one side, I genuinely can't see it being anybody other than Yoast and maybe one other organisation that we're not going to mention on the show tonight that might be uh, interested and have the wherewithal to do that. Um, and... But what, what, sorry, wasn't there, the version because... he was talking about a non-hybrid version, though? The idea no, of stripping it back it, out again? No. That's exactly what I was about to get to, which, which is, I think is that is the difference now between the tone. In no way was that talking about those cars running with anything other than the package it's currently got Correct. installed, which is exactly the reason and this is why you're absolutely uh, uh, completely correct john that if it was going to happen it would be a pure customer program but with very substantial and paid for audi sports um audi sport supports which completely changes things around now do i think it's uh, a possibility i think it's a possibility do i think it's a probability no no i don't um, that would be a private. So hang on, that would be a privateer version of an LMP1 hybrid. So that will make it an LMP1 HP. L. No, not an L. Well, no, just what? an HP. Oh, just right. the source of it, really. What's your source for that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Graham, thank you. For, uh, oh, sorry, I better ask our executive. Is it okay to let uh, to let Graham go now? No, because we haven't asked him uh, for his uh, views on the Creventic calendars, which were confirmed oh, this week. Sorry, thank you. I did write that down. Creventic calendars confirmed this week, Graham. Uh, the we've talked about the clash between WEC Prologue and the touring car endurance event, the major touring car endurance event at Silverstone. The rest of it is going to keep people pretty busy. Um, it's it, well, they they don't mess about, do they, the Corentic boys and girls? They really don't. And you know, it's been a couple of nips, tucks, and changes to accommodate all sorts of other things. But uh, it's you know, we we knew most of the the, the detail here. Um, what we didn't know necessarily were all of the dates. We knew about the Cota 24-hour race, mm. uh, but Dubai, Mugello, Red Bull Ring, Paul Ricard, Imola, Portimao, and Cota with Mugello. Red Bull Ring and Imola being the 12-hour events, the remainder being the 24-hour events. You've then got the uh, the touring car uh, series, which was perhaps less successful in its first year, but uh, back to Silverstone for the 24 hours in uh, the first weekend in April, 12 hours at Magni Cor, 24 hours at Mizano, 24 hours in Barcelona is an all-touring car race now, and 12 hours at Spa-Francorchamps, and then the one that's proved to be controversial, uh, which is the 24-hour Proto Series powered by Hankook. We'll see some prologue events effectively uh, supporting mm. the Dubai 24 hours in the days before the Dubai 24 hours, from early in the week, in fact. Um, but then four 12-hour races, Manicor in April, Mizano in July, Paul Ricard in August, and Spa-Francorchamps in 
October. And the, yeah, they, but the, they, sorry, there, there are some in, because they've mostly tied the Proto series up with the touring car series. There's some pretty impressive weekends I noticed in my life. What in terms of workload? Uh, well, yeah, there's one I think it's Misano where you do five hours of the Proto series on Friday. Uh, then seven hours on Saturday. Then seven hours. They said Friday. Seven hours on Saturday. There's an hour and a half break before a 24-hour race starts. Mm. Yep. They don't mess Damon about. will be in the pit lane throughout. <laughs> yeah, asleep mostly <laughs> on his on his hands and knees. <laughs> we will be confirming our uh, coverage. Yeah, I might. Oh, I'm not available for that one. Sorry. Uh, we will. <laughs> we will be uh, confirming our coverage of. The Touring Car Series, the International Endurance Series, the FI International Endurance Series, and the new Proto Series as soon as possible. Uh, we, uh, Eve is in uh, negotiations and discussions with Creventic, who organise all of those uh, events. And, and if you sell any form of caffeine pills, please send them to end Icebreaker again. <laughs> I think what you need to do is just... Uh, on your way back from Bathurst, take Richard Crail's uh, coffee machine out of the media centre and put it into your luggage. Mm, it's more than coffee. To, to be honest, uh, that we have already been uh, being explore, uh, or we have already been exploring the opportunities for a travelling coffee machine. Excellent. That mm. sounds much better than anything I've heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> Means you won't get paid for anything else. We'll pay you in coffee sachets. And? Yeah. Okay. So it's a raise then. <laughs> Better than you that ball of rice. You can say goodbye to Graham Goodwin now. Goodbye to Graham Goodwin now. Goodbye to Glam. Good night. Good night all. Good night all. I'm, and I should just say I'm not retiring. Okay. No. Okay. Just to be clear. Or just shy so and retiring. No, he's uh, certainly not shy. Not oh, by the way, Graham Christian Rodriguez has said it was. It is definitely an RX7 for Rick Shaw. It ran in the N. It has N24. Um, Providence is what the word I was going to say. In the early 2000s, and uh, he's tweeted you a link to it. So. Oh, but, what, one quick thing. I almost forgot to say this, but mm. a, a, a quick indulgence. Get well too soon to Skippy, um, who's been yes, on the very good point. this week. Uh, important operation for your friend, our friend, and everybody's friend. And I hope you're well, and we'll see you at Bathurst, Skip. Yeah, and, and by the way, as we're talking about photographers, well done Dan Bathy for yes. winning the big award this year for photographer uh, of the year. Um, I need to do photos of me. It can't be for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, thank you, Graham. Great mm. Photoshop work, mate. That's what they're doing. Cheers, Bye-bye. Uh, photographers, uh, photographers always get good uh, pictures of me when I'm racing because I'm never going that quick. Mm. Play another jingle, then. All the news from across the pond. If it happens over there, hear about it here. Okay. Midweek ah. Motorsport. And this is where we would normally say hello to Marshall Pruitt, and he would say, Hello, Marshall. Good evening, Marshall Pruitt. Yes. It's his birthday today, as we mentioned earlier on, so he's uh, out enjoying himself. Uh, he's had a full day of excitement and activity planned for him by his good lady. Nice. So, hope you've had a good time, Marshall, and we'll talk to him uh, in a couple of weeks' time because we've got a special programme next week. But more of yet. that in a moment as you give us some American news. What's the story, Tim? A few IndyCar stories uh, oh, right. have broken today. Uh, presumably people who are expecting us to have Marshall on the show, not realising it was his birthday. Uh, mm. Right at the start of this programme, uh, we talked about Max Chilton. Yes. Um, on the radio. On the radio. Um, 
that's the story I picked up when I spoke to him on Sunday, when he completely neglected to tell me uh, <laughs> about today's news uh, that he will return to Chip Ganassi Racing uh, in the number eight Indy car. Yeah, with for the Gallagher sponsorship. Season. Uh, second what? season for uh, Gallagher what is, and Co. What is Gallagher? Uh, they are an insurance brokers. Insurance brokers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Arthur Cheer Gallagher and Corp. Um, yeah, insurance and risk management. So he uh, joins up again with Scott Dixon, Tony Kanan, Charlie Kimball, uh, but this year with Honda engines instead of Chevrolet. Yes. And he's back in the number eight car, as you say. Uh, interesting. Uh, now, some years ago, back in the year 2000... Mm-hmm. Uh, a young Spanish driver made his IndyCar debut. He was Oriol Servia, and to mm-hmm. date he has uh, made 199 starts in the championship. And that'll be 200 at this year's Indy 500. Right? Next year's Indy 500. Uh, sorry, next the, year's. I, I'm already in next season mode. Sorry, the yes. The 101st IndyCar 500 uh, for Rahal Lanigan Letterman or Letterman Lanigan Racing. Uh, and he is going to be in a car with... I'm trying to find out what engine that's got. That's also a Honda engine. That's a Honda, yeah. Uh, other news that comes out of Rahel Letterman Lanigan Racing is that they have picked up Tom German, uh, the race engineer who took Alex Rossi to Indy 500 victory last year. He used to be a tyre tire engineer. He, he knows indeed. exactly what to do. Works with Firestorm for a lot of years. Uh, he is now going to be consultant engineer to RLL. Uh, and finally from uh, IndyCar, uh, the Indy Lights champion, mm-hmm. Ed Jones, uh, who is of course British, Yep. Uh, was He's getting a drive with Mercedes-Benz. Oh, no. Ouch. No, he, he, we already know up. that he will be in uh, IndyCar in 2017 with Dale Coyne Racing. Uh, right. But he has been awarded the Earl Howe Trophy, uh, which is presented to the most successful British racing driver competing in North America. Really? Previous uh, well, winners. That's a new one on me. Previous winners have been... Uh, oh, is that the BRDC Awards on Monday? It is, yes. Right, yes, of course. Previous That's winners have been Dan Weldon, lots. Dario Franchitti, yes. lots. lots. Nigel Mansell. Nigel a Mansell. A bit. Yeah. Who won it in, like, 97 when no one was doing very much? Would Mark Blundell have won it? <laughs> Do you want me to look it up? No. Mark no, Blundell no. must have won it. No, no, really. Answers on a postcard, too. I'd expect your team into place. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, that's uh, that's all of the English, sorry, all of the IndyCar news for this week. The international IndyCar news. Okay, very good. Um, almost to the end of tonight's programme. Uh, that gives us a chance to go through some of your tweets before we go. Uh, Dave Alcock says, could coverage of Cravanting events be sponsored by Nespresso, Tassimo, Dolce Gusto? Absolutely fine. Anyone, all, all three is fine. Uh, please uh, speak to us uh, via the uh, email address I mean, sponsorship at... You know, they've got George Clooney. Why not have John Hindoff as well? I could do the beard. <laughs> there was a time many years ago <laughs> yeah, when I was much, much, much... <laughs> Much slimmer. But were you when there was a passing resemblance? Were you quite as pretty. I think ruggedly handsome is the okay, word you were looking fine, for. Right. <laughs> ruggedly handsome. In my in my Edinburgh, in, my, in your dreams. In my Edinburgh period, <laughs> I was ruggedly handsome. 
<laughs> I'll try and dig out some photographs. Oh, please do, because I want to see ruggedly handsome Hindi. That's amazing, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Um, Johannes Gwaglik is saying Bruno off the Kravendik roster. I after... noticed that because it was on the provisional. Yes, they didn't. They didn't like the fact they'd gone to a TES series. That's why. Uh, two after only one edition. Although I think they no, have to. There was a twelve. There was a twelve and a twenty-four. Johannes, yes. Um, I just don't w- think they like being on what they perceive to be the B list. It was the. The uh, the big the 24 hours sort of didn't really they work. They were very unlucky because so many of the classes were already decided when they got there. Hence right. some reasons double points in the last round from now on. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. I've not been to Bruno. I'd love to go. Nice. I love the track. It's I've really driven nice. many times on simulators. It's warmer. Um, and I love it. It's a great motorcycle track, but it does seem to race well for that type of racing. Well, that's good in a race that's in the dark. Well, you would say that, yes. It is a very dark dark. It's like Anglesey was very dark when I raced in the dark in Anglesey. And I, 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 have, I think that's good. Mm. You know, places like Bahrain and Le Mans and, you know, other, other places of such ilk that have a lot of lighting up is okay, particularly for when you've got the big fast cars. But I think in GT cars and in touring cars, particularly being out in the darkness with only the pit straight lit and various spotlighting on corners I think that's how it should be okay you don't have your Fritz Lang um, blimps hovering my hover blimp lights yeah hovering over Keeled of Forest I need to get that kind of uh, copyrighted I think do you think so you don't have those hovering over each car in the (laughs) in the the darkness rallies in Keeled oh no hang on we don't have those anymore no there's no darkness in rallying what are you talking about need lights No. Uh, David 2 Bruce says, uh, read the uh, Audi R18. Surely the only people I can see with the budget to take a task on would be Red Bull. Could that be possible? Why would they want to? I don't see why. Um, There is uh, is an ongoing project at the moment that I think was going down the roads. In fact, there's two now ongoing projects uh, going down the road of LMP1 privateer. BRO1, isn't it? That team? might be... Well, no, as a pause for that, that's three, actually. Yes, well remembered. Um, one of which I only found out uh, about at the weekend. That are, what, The BRO1 is a, sort of a Frankenstein car. It's the P2 car sort of turned into a P1 by Dallara. P1.5, if you like. Um, and um, that car is, is, is pretty well uh, designed. There's another one that is a design, or there's another two that are potentially designs from scratch, uh, one of which is pretty well done, one of which hasn't started yet. And I believe that one of those has the potential to think about, uh, this is what Graham was talking about, I think, is, is to think about potentially the R18. But it's 100 million. It's twice that. Who's got that? You'd be surprised. Well, no, All you need to do is get the lottery funding for 10 museums and you're nearly ah, there. Ah, very yes, good point. Yes, yeah. excellent, yeah. Tim. We can have the, uh, the, the uh, British Museum of Audi Racing. 
the British Museum of How to Spend Lots of Money. There's plenty of those. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, my thanks to Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, to Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, who's been with me at Hindoff Towers. The responsible adult has been lurking gently in the background, making sure that everything was above board and <laughs> legal. <Bristol> Meantime, <laughs> up in London, our executive producer, Tim Gray, was twiddling knobs and making sure we went out to the world. Our thanks Were to we? him for that. I never checked. No, I, I think well. the... Some good guest tweets there. There's a very <laughs> <good> really well. <laughs> Mystic Meg on the tweeting then. Uh, we'll be back next week with a special show. We'll be looking back at the 2016 FIA Formula One Championship. Looking forward to that then. Um, that should be an absolutely cracking two hours. Join us then live at 8 o'clock or on the podcast when you can. And uh, we'll have a bit of live racing for you not this weekend but the weekend after as well as we're heading to the gulf for the 12 hours of abu dhabi keep your eyes peeled on the front page and watch twitter because uh, we're going to try and do a little bit of bonus coverage for that early on in the race weekend but from me and the rest of the team for now it's good night thank you for listening and there's no time to explain because the llama is out testing at bathurst This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.